the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 284 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. All right, all right. What's up, everybody? What's going on? Hey, yo. It's Dan Tom here for the Protect Your Neck podcast, host of this, uh, shit show. I was going to say S show, but I'll probably just end up cursing anyways. As I always put the explicit warnings and check boxes wherever you're listening. If you're in the future, future, future on Apple iTunes, uh, give it a five-star rating and review. Uh, I am working on I got to follow up on some emails. I've been bad. You know me, tunnel vision, uh, like a whale with ADD just coming up for air and uh, you know focusing on one thing at a time, but we'll, we'll get on the Stitchers and SoundCloud soon. Got the smartphone-friendly players at MixedMartialAnalyst.com. Won't plug the click-throughs. Don't deserve it. Don't want to take the time to. But yes, MixedMartialAnalyst.com. My website hosts this here program uh, with some click-throughs on there if you want to partake, as well as uh, secure PayPal links, which, again, I probably be the last you hear me plug at the whole show. I really don't deserve to plug any of that after last week or, uh, or the results. But as per usual, for better or worse mainly, I'm here to give you what I got. Honest unfettered and uh free uh free yes free 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 uh, for the last over half a decade plus we've been at this show i think this is episode officially 345 if you notice i'm not putting the uh commentary tracks the alternate commentary tracks feel free to keep giving me your feedback on those we're going to try to improve those going to take another swing at the bat me and my guy ant walker who you can follow at ant walker mma uh, awesome guy. You see him do stuff over at SureDog all around. Uh, great dude, great follow. Going to be back with him in action this Saturday. We'll probably do the top three fights, which I do have a thorough, Mr. Lebowski, thorough analysis for. Don't know what I can promise you after. I apologize, and we'll uh, save those apologies for later, as I usually give those a little too much, but we'll try to parlay that into some positive momentum, perhaps. Just try not to pontificate too much. And speed through. Um, so maybe we can have like a manageable episode, not too long of a listener time. How about that for once? These, you know, near two hour episodes. Not really getting complaints on it, but you know, as long winded as my ass tends to be and appreciates that type of content, that's not necessarily what I'm trying to be. I'm not trying to try to try to get it wrapped up for you. What's up, chronic combat conversations? Great follow, uh, great show friends in the community there. Love Tyler and uh, Greg Guru TV Scouting, I should say. Oi, oi, oi. Oi, oi, oi. Oi, oi, oi. Now Jake Matthews on this car, but we've got a little bit of Tyson Pedro. Pop, pop, Pedro here. Uh, I love the Australian accent. Shout out to my guy Mark Fellows, uh, wherever he is. Hopefully he's throwing one up. Uh, you know, uh, you know, a fighter outside of the cage and one I respect, Mr. Mark Fellows. A great, great fan as well. Great fan as well to the MMA space, but... Uh, he lost the Jake Matthews. Jake Matthews. Um, 
And, uh, you know, Pedro, tossing Pedro. You know, like, as if, like, being called a pedophile is obviously horrible, not bad enough. Dan, are we really getting sidetracked this early? Uh, you know, as if that's not being bad enough. Like, something the way the Australians say it, it's, like, extra piercing. They're like, he's a pedophile. He's a pedophile. Oh, that guy's a pedophile there. Oh, you're a pedophile. <laughs> it's just piercing. Like, as if that's not bad enough, like... You know, I love the Australians. Uh, I love I love the way they talk. I'm jealous. I'm not trying to be uh, rude here. I apologize. I try to keep it. You know me. I at least try to keep it even. And I try to you know the old comics rule, which is you know probably under a toxic era. So maybe we could throw that out. But I I do try to spread it around and, and keep that same energy. I try to definitely call myself out when I'm being a hypocrite, as I shall do. Uh, we're gonna be doing a recap. Thank you guys for piling and give the video a like. Uh, feel free to jump in on the chat. I'm gonna share this out, but uh, gonna be doing a. You guys know the show format. We're gonna be doing a recap of USC of Bellator. Not, not a full Bellator. I didn't re, you know watch much. Barely watched the top three or the top two fights, and the uh, I didn't even watch like what ultimately cost me my third leg there. Oh, the precious third leg. Uh, we'll talk about that. By the way, Aaron Bronstetter, uh, you shout your. Uh, speaking of Maga Madoff, who I lost in Bellator, did that? Did, does that count? Uh, did Aaron Bronstetter update the count uh, of his ridiculous thing where anyone with the name Magomed in their name it's just like the ridiculous winning percentage which I love my guy Aaron Bronstetter but you know contrarian Dan Tom I gotta give the old Dan Tom Jeff to the Magomed uh, you know uh, fetishizing which we'll get to with Islam Makhachev here in the main event of UFC 284 that's what we're here to break down folks but um, yeah of course your boy here uh, I, I was talking shit I was talking I, 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 I you know I said it aloud despite having, you know, losing events, losing events, losing events in 2023. I made the mistake of saying aloud what I was doing well at, which was the parlays, which I never do and abandoned. And uh, looks like I'm going to be going back to that attitude because as soon as I said that, you know, just like anybody when they say they're going to become a two-division champion in MMA prematurely or even just in general, the MMA gods come rolling in like Brandon Vera. Rolling in. Who said that, motherfucker? Who said that? Shouts to the OG fans. Uh, who know these references that I ramble on about. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that. Um, by the way, speaking of Aaron and my... Uh, is malfeasance the right word? Who knows? Uh, just throw all the negative words at me. I deserve them. Uh, my, uh, you know, And again, you, who can get prepared for all these fights um, reasonably? Although, you know, I will say the MMA vivisection does a good job. Uh, again, I know I plugged them last week. But again, that's why, that's why I plug places like that. Because it, it's tough, folks. It's tough. Um, you know, uh, you know. Obviously, I'll spare you guys dealing with the usual crazy medical stuff. That uh, you know, uh, eyes clearing up. It was just kind of a, a a rare allergy thing. They had to like actually, I should, I should go in and get like my eyes dyed and like figure out if we had damage or scratch to the cornea because my pain tolerance is so damn bad. And yeah, you know, the normal things. I can't just you know, uh, you know, I can't just uh, go on. Uh, I can't just go on a, a you know. A broadcast uh, where you know I'm getting uh, you know makeup production, the whole works, maybe fly, who knows? And uh, you know jumping out in front of camera and telling you guys up, that's uh, you know, I don't understand and didn't research, much less even understand. Unfortunately, I cannot get away with that. <laughs> shade. We'll, we'll actually touch on that. You know, so I'm not just you know throwing shady strays from a distance here, safely from the comfort of my own podcast. Uh, obviously, you guys know what I'm getting at, and, and we'll talk about that as we recap, of course. Not just Bellator, but UFC Vegas 68, where the overs continued for your boy here. 
Um, but yeah, uh, back to what I was saying, um, my lack of prep or whatever, uh, that's what I was getting on about before getting on about the whole process that always gets me behind. Um, uh, I, I'm pretty sure we're back this week. I should have double-checked with my guy, Aaron. But um, newsflash, um, hopefully uh, we're, we're still trying to, uh, you know, uh, we're still trying to, you know, the, the, the smoke is still clearing. Uh, for better and for worse, right? Revealing stuff as well with the whole crowd situation. But, um, you know, there were some reverberations with betting houses. That's no secret. Um, me and Aaron, you know, coincidentally, we weren't, weren't, weren't able to do a, a pre-show that we were you guys were accustomed to on Twitter, which was great because any late takes that I didn't, you know, get my ass prepared for for this show, uh, forgive me, or takes that, which always happens, even though I have my note sheets here, folks, um, there's... I'll write stuff down and I'll still forget to, like, say it. So any notes that I miss and slip through the proverbial cracks, um, it was great kind of having a fight day preview um, outlet to do so since, you know, I, you know, I haven't really been on the uh, anything for my own outlet, though I will say I'll be on the, uh, did get an invite to do the uh, spinning back click show for MMA Junkie, which is now going live. Um you know, they just started doing that this year. Uh, thankfully, I've been uh, getting my reps in with you guys, so uh, it'll be no problem for your boy to jump in. More than happy to do it. So those of you YouTube crowd, you want to see me on a Monday, make sure to pop in there. I can actually use the love and representation. It's no secret that, uh, you know, you guys can, you know, uh, you guys don't have to read between the lines to, to, to figure this out. But, yeah, you, you know, I'm not going to tell you the sky's red when it's blue, but you don't see me, like I just hinted, and many times you don't see me part of many junkie broadcasts and work is, is hard to come by very grateful for my spot um, and you know I don't know if anybody's really getting hired promotions pay raises or anything uh, if you look at all the media cuts going on across the space so believe me but that being said you know whether it's negotiating power or just getting reps or doing what you want to do and putting yourself out there for people to see you um, you know the numbers unfortunately the interaction like Websites do track these things, you know, um, back to voting with your dollars. So if you guys want to vote on something, vote with your clicks slash dollars there. You know, you don't have to pay any money. You can do it with your clicks, the analogy here. But, uh, yeah, or even just like with your little fingers and keyboards, you know, you, you pop in on the live show, spinning back click. I believe it's uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 Eastern or something like that. I should figure that out. But uh, it's over going to be over on MMA Junkies' YouTube channel. You know, pop in, show your boys some love and, you know. Let them know we, we we want we want we want to see Dan Tom more. Uh, use him, and uh, you know I'm not saying it guarantees anything that I'll be able to do things. If I'm able to do things, it'll you know miraculously change my life. And I'm certainly not asking for charity from you guys who are already gracious enough to be here. But yes, these things do help. So for what it's worth, you want to catch more of me? I will be there and happy to be there. I love chopping it up um, with my colleagues, especially since the pandemic, uh, you know, you don't really get to see too many, uh, of colleagues. Had a good chat with a colleague, non-junkie colleague, uh, earlier today, you know, just, there's, there's plenty of good people, you know, uh, in this space, my guy Aaron that I mentioned. So again, go tune in, uh, to Aaron, uh, Aaron Bronstetter, uh, follow him if you're not already. Um, you know, and even though I've been doing bad, uh, speaking of good people, you know, there, there are plenty of good people in the space and my guy, Ian Parker has been killing it. He was killing it last year. Uh, he's been around, you know, for a minute, uh, whether it was, like, management back in the day to, like, Anakin Florian podcast. Now the dude's on ESPN. Um, dude's been killing it, man. Dude dude had an opposite night of me, and he deserves it. So even though 
Amal's like frustrated that like this uh you know string of bad luck doesn't seem to end for me um that doesn't mean I can't be happy for others man uh, so I want to shout Ian Parker who is a good dude um I also I think I also forgot to shout a couple weeks ago my guy uh, Dan Levy at best fight picks for Jamal Hill Again, you know, uh, we'll get to the Islam Makachev fanboys and those who love to, you know, uh, kind of coattail on other people's hard work and act like they did it, and they're like <laughs> in mentions or whatever. But like, you know, so I, I definitely, you know, don't like that. But there's like legit fans where it's like, um, shout out to my guy True at True UK fan Wes Colvin and being one of the early Izzy fans or like, there's just certain people in the community uh, community who have been kind of like OGs on waving these flags and who I associate with. So when there, when you know there, I told you so's come through, from you know trains from way back. Um, I always want to give props to that, you know the the the, the real ones there, and uh, yeah, man, um, you know uh, my guy Dan Levy. I know he's been killing it last year. Pretty sure he's still killing it this year. So uh, hopefully my luck turns around, folks. Um, you know, again, I, I didn't get a huge part of the card down, but I got some key bets in already, which is great, and I actually feel good about them despite having every reason in the world to feel terrible um, about betting this game. So I'm going to do my best, going to share out the link, and we'll get to it. How about that? Seeing Samuel Negrete in the chat. What's up, Samuel? He says, what's up, Dan? Longer the pod, the more info we get and can go wrong with and can't go wrong with the voices and impressions. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to those. Uh, and I'll ask you guys, by the way, feel free to mention in the chat. Uh, we'll get to it. We're going to jump into the recap. But do, were you guys able to, me and my girlfriend were listening to it and giggling because we, we thought we could hear him come through. Were you guys able to hear David Clark come through in the broadcast? I mean, someone wasn't doing their job. And they didn't listen to the po my podcast and they didn't, you know, get David Clark nearly drunk enough because I wanted the man belligerent. But let me know in the chat while I share this out um, if you guys, uh, you know, heard David Clark and liked the video. If you haven't already, below. Again, five-star ratings and reviews are uh, always appreciated, folks. Going to share this out and do my usual walk and talk. Again, uh, no produce, no produces a help, 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 the one-man show and go. So I uh, appreciate you guys staying with me. All right. Hey, I actually got the tweet composed already. How about that? I was in the middle because I, I was bummed. I've left the Southpaw port hanging, and there's only two matchups left. And I was, I'm in the middle, spoiler alert, between uh, Paca Porter and um, uh, Justin Taffa, but I wasn't going to get anything done or meaningful in that time. So I actually just took the time to prep because, again, everything everything takes a minute, you know. Um, you're doing your own uh, producing, YouTubing, setting up lights, video clipping during the week, shooting other separate videos with the lights and stuff again earlier in the week, writing three between two fights you're writing three in-depth articles both from betting and analytical perspectives and again folks uh i i make the which is crazy you know uh when when you go 0 and 5 and then you see uh you know you see more and more of the positions that you would die for on a broadcast and are working toward you know what they are giving out you're like oh my goodness and of course uh, that is shared, by the way. And, of course, I'm not talking about Sanka, who I think is great. And I've, I've kept that same energy of long, long thought. So, because she actually does the work. But it's unfortunate, and especially for people like Sanko, because a lot of people think she's a, a Johnny-come-lately. And, uh, of course, she is a female, an attractive female. I'm not going to call the sky red when it is, in fact, blue. But because of that, she gets a lot of crap. And as traditionally, uh, you know, this isn't, you know... Uh, anything woke or anything guys but as traditionally in the workplace as a matter of we're talking about broadcast 
you know, or the bank, uh, which was a tradi traditionally really bad one too. My mom worked for to see some really bad shit. Uh, but like, you know, you just women traditionally to get to good spots ha have to put in uh, like ten times the work, and usually, you know, longer road, you know, or uh, if it's not, then it's shorter pay. Take your pick, maybe both. These are things that you don't need me to tell you. Um, these are these are these are fairly fairly known things. Um, so it is unfortunate to see, you know, all the people like come at Laura with that stuff, which bums me out because it should be a celebration, but it's a crappy card um, in the middle of the night. Not very ceremonious in that sense, but, you know, for looking for silver linings on that godforsaken card. Of course, recapping right now, UFC Vegas 68 before we break down 284 from top to bottom, folks. Um, by the way, we went 0-1 in the... Uh, Parlay, which was over in Bellator. I'll recap after this. 0-1 in straight plays. 0-3 in props. 1-4 in the round robin, which meant nothing because it was 1-4. And, and, of course, that means 0-1 for the long shot parlay. Uh, and 5-5-1 uh, five, five and one overall in picks in the UFC. That was really bad. Um, so, again, I want to state that off, you know, as if I haven't, you know, beat myself with a paddle as I tend to do. Uh, but I definitely deserve to. So I definitely want to, you know, want to state that uh not a lot of room to talk um when uh you know when i'm turning in results like this but yeah uh, as far as sanko goes very defensive and, and the the crappy part is is on that same very broadcast you also have another woman debuting out of nowhere i know she's done stuff with the ufc before i've seen her pop up but they really pushed her on the broadcast um in a johnny the greek fashion you know an actual broadcast as opposed to i think she's just been on like on the line stuff and like uh you know, maybe some, like, social media stuff, but not, like, actual broadcast, um, you know, like like Johnny the Greek uh, for Contender Series. And again, you know, say what you will about Johnny, who I met in person. Um, and again, I suggest, you know, you research everybody's history, whether they have a lack of history or an extensive history, right? Uh, but say what you will about Johnny. The guy at least understood what the bets he was putting out there. I mean, the guy, the guy comes from that, and uh, and just so I'm not throwing shade, and I'll mention the name, but I don't want to pile on to her because this is not where it's going to go, you guys, are, uh, guys would think. I'm actually going to come around and uh, explain why I actually felt felt bad for this person and why I'm still keeping a positive attitude going forward. So this isn't a, any type of, uh, or meant to be at least, any type of crybaby rant. It's going in a, uh, believe it or not, positive and sympathetic direction. But, yeah, yeah, talking about the Minty Girl, of course, just giving out bets, and it was funny. Like I felt like a hater because I was watching the the event with my uh, girlfriend, and we're, we're on the bed watching the TV. And I'm kind of like, you know, not trying to do the, the try not try not to look at that meme of the guy in the audience, you know, the, the, the Paris Hilton looking girl like mansplaining. But I was just like, um, I was like, listen to the words how someone breaks it down. Um, listen, I forget what the exact sentence, but and, and this is not just to pick on her. You you, you see this with anybody where it's their job to talk and, and sound like they know what they're talking about and if they don't um, where she essentially said the same this you know the fight doesn't start round three bet was she was explaining it and she explained it the same way or three different ways and just said the same thing basically three different ways and I was like that's filler time these things are short anyways like you don't have to have time me it's like they're worried like Dan we know you have a bunch of analysis that's not the problem with you cut it the fuck down definite problem for me um, opposite problem for people that don't know what they're talking about because they it, which it becomes really apparent because again this is just a quick spot you don't have to say anything like mind blowing you just kind of got to like fake it right and uh, it was becoming really obvious to me and others and I was like you know I wasn't even looking at the timeline I was just talking to my girl like breaking breaking down how, how she was, was speaking 
And I was like, that's that's not a good sign. That tells me she doesn't understand what she's talking about. Not just like, who is she? Where is she coming from? Do I agree with these bets? How was that analysis? Like, no, there wasn't it, none of those feelings because we didn't even get off first base. Like, there, there was no analysis. Like, there was nothing, you know? And, um, and, and sure enough, I, I felt like a hater saying that. But then I look at my timeline, especially the day after. And again, man, the MMA space, say what you will, we can be too, like, we can be very much too as a hipster and contrarian. Um, someone you could be accused of gatekeeping at times. Again, I'm not saying I'm beyond any of this, folks. I'm a human being. Uh, and us as human beings in MMA, we can have this gatekeeping attitude where it's like, you know, we spell the posers, you know? Like, wow, those chucks are, you, you don't wear new chucks to a punk rock concert. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a real random reference. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, this person's wearing the band t-shirt of the band they're seeing at the concert. They don't come here that often, right? You know, like, like those clothes look too clean. Uh, clearly, Dan Tom spent a lot of time at grungy, dirty, hardcore punk shows. But uh, you, hopefully you get what I'm saying here. So, we, so, so people kind of sniffed it out, and I felt a little more validated, right? Um... But, you know, again, like a week like last week, and especially trying to track more and do these things, uh, and I know I'm not on Stitcher and, and things yet, but I am doing those things. I did revamp some playlists, URLs. Like, I've actually been getting things done, folks. I fixed my computer, did all these things, uh, going through health issues, um, not being able to work out because of it, sacrificing this, sacrificing sleep, and, you know, averaging going back to uh, something I was trying to get away from for the first half decade of, of doing this work where I'm averaging one all-nighter a week. Really bad for your health, folks. Um, but um, you put all that work in and then just... And, and I'm not, you know... I don't even know if it's necessarily, you know, uh, bad bets, but it was definitely more bad bets because they didn't cash again according to my book keeping that same energy than it was bad beats i'm not definitely not going to be crybabying about anything we we saw um not that not that i tr try to anyways i just so happen to be on you know on the wrong end of whatever the controversial shoot du jour of the week is uh so it wasn't even like oh the world's against me. no 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 it's, it's 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 nothing like that but it was just disheartening just to get those results over and over again to have this bad streak you know um you know, like, and, and, you know, it's good to see good people thriving, you know, uh, like I mentioned before, but then you just go on, you're like, this person doesn't even, like, clearly doesn't watch the fights, which is surprise, surprise, a lot of people in broadcast, but, like, um, they don't even understand the bet they're giving, and, like, forget my feelings and how that dynamic makes me feel, which is not great, obviously, um, and I'm not going to focus on that, we're going to push on here, but uh, it's also really bad from the fact that UFC is going under a betting investigation on a federal level, right? And you have all these things affecting things in multiple countries, uh, multiple houses, and, you know, you guys, you know, do the Tim Donahue thing, and so, you know, I know Asian Bill Burr over here bringing up Tim Donahue, but that, that's, that's honestly what made me, that's what also bums me out about a lot of this stuff too, because shady betting stuff, irresponsible betting stuff, um, is what got me out of the NBA. I checked out around those mid-aughts times, too, where it was just like, oh, my God, are the Lakers just fucking buying championships? And I love a lot of Lakers teams. I will go all day. I'll talk to you guys about Elgin Campbell, Vladdy Divac, a.k.a. Jean Reno, Eddie Jones, Van Exel for three, you know, putting the putting the dagger in hearts before Derek Fisher was doing it while everybody's watching. Because look, I'm so big. Uh, don't get me on a, a, a Lakers rant. I do have appreciation for real Lakers team, real Lakers fans out there. 
But uh, but yeah, like it's, it reminds me of that Tim Donahue thing, right? We're gonna we're gonna just focus on Kraus, which I'm not defending. Kraus by all means, by any means, was in the wrong. Um, and 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 the people who you know kind of followed suit, I'm not defending that. But we're gonna go do the Tim Donahue treatment, like the NBA, and pretend it's just that. Okay, whatever, fine, right? That 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 is the tactic, you know. As stupid as it is, someone does something, we come back and we do something bigger, even if it's slapping the wife and then coming back with a slap show. Um, it's like this stupid no 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 you know bad you know no press is bad press. You just come back with something bigger or hope something bigger comes and washes it all away because something always does and people are always so forgiving like the McGregor yacht story and then it goes you know all of a sudden we've got a tough announcement right like we we we, we know this folks I and mean, we should know this by now this is this is part and parcel of the game but um but yeah we're going to go and turn around and put somebody on like I was already saying like shouts to Ant Walker and Ben Duffy and uh, Jay Petri when I did their show on Dog like a couple weeks ago after the last pay-per-view and I was talking about the parlay that they offer with these like DraftKings promotions in the first place and the things that they boost and things like that it's super irresponsible and I get it like these these houses Vegas where I live folks it wasn't built on winners I get that they have to slant it they have to entice it they want the casual better they don't want people like me or you watching this. I get that. But even with that in mind, whether we're comparing to other sports, which is a real easy slam dunk, um, or or just in general to whatever moral standpoint you want to draw arbitrarily in the sand, these are really irresponsible bets. Now, based on these corporate prompts for irresponsible bet pushes, we're going to put people who don't even understand said bets pushing them on the highest level broadcast as far as mixed martial arts, UFC, ESPN, like, holy crap, folks. Like, forget my feelings. Like, it doesn't take a genius to say, to say that that is problematic. That That's really problematic. Um, now, rounding, the, rounding the, this, this rant off to, the, to the, the positive and sympathetic, but it didn't take long to where, you know, I'm back on track. I'm going to give you guys what I got. I'm going to still be doing my thing here um, and still pushing through. But uh, seeing the comments, you know, it's just like, not that this person doesn't deserve a shelling for going out there and digging their hole deeper, you know, as, as, a, as a reply she gave that she later deleted for an under, uh, back to this, this minty person they have on the broadcast. But again, you see the woman stuff, right? Oh, it's a woman, da, 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 and it, you know, it, it, that kind of performance also gives fuel to that negative stereotype that we started the show talking about, that Laura Senko has been unjustly and unfairly subject to, right? So now her debut is getting fucking shit, or, you know, having to be shared, first of all, selfishly, which is selfish, sure, but not unjustly in this case, because it's not to be just shared, but tainted, um, you know, by someone who, not that, and again, not that she, not that Minty deserves these same sexist criticisms either, but like, but yeah, like, you know, uh, you know, seeing Laura get it all week and then the broadcast comes around and it's like, no, Laura, surprise, surprise, folks, she knows her shit. Um, but this person doesn't like, you know, uh, I can't, I'm not a woman, uh, but I got to imagine there's a kind of a, uh, this is why I get shit kind of a feeling because even though I am not a woman, I am newsflash Asian as well as minty. And unfortunately, again, with the, uh, as we had the Chinese listener, uh, thank you, uh, female listener, right? The 1% or 2%, I got to imagine it's an MMA show. It can't be that high in my demographic, but I appreciate anything. Anything outside the norm is not just welcome, but appreciated here. 
uh, or not just appreciated, but welcome, whichever one you, you think is warmer. It's true. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, you know, with the whole, you know, balloon thing that going on, you know, you got, like, senators and stuff just sharing casual racism. Like, cool, casual racism already back on the timeline last week with this balloon stuff going on in the U.S., folks. And then, you know, I'm trying to, I try to keep all the politics and all the news and all the bullshit. I really just try to keep it to sports and not even to sports, just MMA. Not even, like, boxing. Just MMA. And now I got, you know, oh, I thought Asians were good with numbers and all these things. And I'm not going to go full, like, nose in the air and not pretend I haven't made similar jokes to myself. But I'm making them about myself and not others. And not that this makes it any better because there is a version of uh, self-racism or whatever that I am guilty of, folks. Again, nose not in the air. I have my own shit that I'm guilty of here, too. Um... You know, uh, so it's a little different. A lot of you will give me the pass. Well, Dan, you're Asian. You're allowed to say that. Okay, fine. If that's your feelings, I get that. But, um, you know, I, I've said the Asian numbers. I, I, I would be lying if I didn't say that. The Asian numbers joke on this podcast or in rooms full of white people that I knew had maybe not the most uh, politically correct opinions and I wanted to either ingratiate myself slash just make sure, you know, not getting my ass kicked. Like, yeah, when you grow up a certain way, I could totally see how people, you know, uh, you know, get the, uh, forgive me, you know, people in the African-American community, but whatever the Asian, Hispanic version of the, the, the Uncle Tom uh, criticism that you would throw out. You know, Asians, for example, you know, they call someone a banana, you know, you're yellow on the outside, but you're white on the inside, right? Um, you know, it, all races, I'm sure, have their, their versions of that. So again, folks, I, I'm not guilty here, but it just does suck to have to see that stuff you know, come back in, and again, let's let's we not forget. Um, you know, Asians been been disproportionately been targeted for shooting so much so in the past few years, folks. That like we have like our own themes of shooting. We had the massage parlor theme shootings that were going on, start a pandemic, fun fun, and we've we recently are just finishing the Lunar New Year shootings and all you know uh, targeting uh you know uh, elderly Asians and women just still seem to be somehow the top targets, which is extra just cowardly as shit. Um, so yeah, it just, you know, just seeing all that stuff flood the timeline again is like no fun. So now I just end up feeling bad for the girl and I'm like, Jesus, I hope somebody gets in her ear and really helps her and hopefully for her own sake, she puts the work in because, um, you know, there's plenty of people, um, that would love, that would love to be in that position. So I'm going to keep chugging along, whether it's getting, um, you know, I'm trying to get on a broadcast as far as betting analysts or just getting on my childhood dream as far as calling fights. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, just seeing the trends, you know, whether it's UFC, former UFC fighters for one thing, or let's just say, you know, again, and I hate playing into that, but at the same time, you guys know me, I'm not going to call the sky red when it is in fact blue, but yes, the trends we're seeing as far as who they're betting, paying, betting companies are paying for betting representatives and broadcast representatives, let's just say. So I got some hills in front of me folks, but I got my fucking shoes on. So let's go. Um, let's recap and let's uh, attack. Uh, I'm gonna clean up the chat before we get into the uh, get into it um, here. Hey, there's my my favorite Australian. My favorite Australian folks is not fighting on the card. Uh, I don't know if you're nearby Perth at all. I'm gonna guess no, Mark. I think you're more by Sydney if I'm correct. Um, but uh, are you going? Mark Fellow says Volk by KO. I hope so. 
That's what I'm wishing for. Islam will be lucky to see the second round. Big smiley face. Jersey D. Now that is the kind of comments we need balancing out with all the uh, all the Makachev noise. But obviously, you guys will see. Uh, you, you know, you guys will see. Uh, I, you know, your heart can be one way, and, and you got to try to be analysis the other way. So we'll we'll get to that. I got my guy Ghost Phantom in the chat. What's good, Dan? I don't understand this culture of making fun of your le legit analysis by Islam, dude, bro. See, my man goes, Phantom already knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's it's just that, um, and again, this exists in all sports. Like, again, it's not that I hate Lakers fans, folks, when I'm back to the basketball thing, but, like, Lakers fans are easily the most annoying ones because they're so privileged, you know? You got great weather, you got the beach, and no matter what era, you've got, you know, uh, you know marketing platforms that are going to, you know, direct... Uh, players to to you, or even the team itself. It was the Minneapolis Lakers, right back in the day, or the ABA, or whatever. Which I believe a lot of those, from their hardcore fans to the merch they sell in the, the X Staples Center, whatever the hell you want to call it now. They they include the, like the fucking ABA titles that were in Minneapolis when there was like five teams or some shit. But okay, um, but yeah, like you'll see that, or like for example, uh, I remember especially out here, like being one of the only people rooting for the Boston Red Sox in whatever was it, two thousand four. World Series or whatever to break the curse because again Dan Tom surprise surprise likes underdogs and uh, because I live in a state I'm from a state Hawaii which I don't know how how bad it is but Vegas obviously real bad you got West Coast lack of culture transplants um, no professional team and degenerate city with sports gambling capital of the world right so I mean, you want to talk about annoying front running fans like it just didn't matter what sport the you know, you just saw Yankee caps. Uh, I couldn't go, you know, punk hardcore shows where, like, baseball caps were in. Everybody was wearing goddamn Yankee caps. And I'm like, yo, Boston's got better, better, better bands be coming out of it right now even. Like, what are you guys doing? You even follow baseball? Like, just because every bro, like, wears, like, Fred Durst or whatever, wears a cap, you got to too. Like, it just was so annoying. So, of course, Contrarian, Dan Tom, um, cannot stand these fans. Even things that I like. Like, I, I was a big AFI fan back in the day. I could not stand their fans, though, you know. Um, and again, had nothing to do with... Uh, I'm all down with the makeup and the fishnets and the androgynous shit. Dan Tom's all down for that. It's all good. Uh, you're not going to weird me out. Um, you know, go go back and find Face the Jury uh, photos. Maybe you see, see you might find one of Dan Tom with some... Uh, you know, with uh, you know, dressed up for a show back in the day with a little bit of uh, a little bit of eyeliner uh, on, and uh, of course for theater, y'all said and film, y'all said to wear makeup. So, but um, but yeah, no, no, it wasn't that. But just the fans were freaking annoying. You know, back to Ensign, uh, Indecision Records, early two thousands punk hardcore band. I shared the image before as the bass player just smashing a kid to bloody pieces, and it says Ensign, love the music, hate the kids. Uh, not hate the kids, but, you know, hate the fans. So um, it's just one of those annoying things. Whenever you have anything that's popular or successful, there's just a whole group of people who, you know, if you want to go the psychological route, maybe they're just unhappy with their lives, so they're going to, like, jump onto something and make them happy, which inherently, thematically, does not sound wrong, but they do it in such an annoying way, just like a bully or classic projection 101. Again, if we're on the psych train here, you are going to... Um, you know, you don't like being bullied, so you're gonna be that bully because you wanna, you wanna, you know, you wanna feel welcome. And so there's a lot of that bullshit. People just inherently human nature like to be right. So if there's someone like like a Khabib with an undefeated, a zero, or an Islam who's close to, and people treat like so, yeah, you're gonna get the same annoying front-running fans you do in any other sport, band, walk of life. I'm sure that's my association. Um, yeah. Uh, 
The Volk thread was awesome, and your half guard thread is my favorite so far. Thank you, guys. Please share out that half guard thread. It doesn't get enough love. Shouts to the Miguel Classes, the Ocelot MMAs, Fedor's nephew. All these guys, uh, I don't know if Fedor's nephew does or just shares them uh, or just shares cool stuff. But, yeah, like these thread guys, really cool stuff. I don't do it often, but I am proud of that half guard one, really proud of it. I mean, it covers Khabib, um, Little Nog, Big Nog, uh, Randy Couture. Like, it, it, it's a very, like, uh, evolution Random half guards you wouldn't expect, like Yoani and Jacek, as far as strikers' de defensive stand-up half guard, uh, which covers a lot of the details. Uh, and she uses similar things like Volk does, by the way. So appreciate that shout, Jimmy Kudo. Hi Dan, I know you picked Islam. Spoiler alert, Jimmy. Just kidding, it's already out. But do you also hope, Jimmy says, that Volk can pull it off? Of course I do, cause he says he has great skill set. Yes, he does. Me speaking as a fan, and not a better. No, no. You, my heart is right with you, Jimmy Kudo. You're not crazy. Um, we'll, we'll definitely get to that fight here shortly. Here, 2-4. Just want to finish up a little bit in the chat, then I'll jump back. Synchro Wing. Don't worry, Dan. We support Sanko for her skills and research. She does before the fight. She does. Jack Slack, Ghost, and Drake have sang her praises, as we all should. Well, I respect J uh, Drake, Jack Slack, those names you mentioned. So um, I feel less crazy if they're saying the same things as me, as always. So I appreciate you sharing that. Feeling less crazy. Hey, Makato Kayagoku, have you ever thought of doing recap shows separately from the preview show? Like our friend Jack Slack, yeah, I just don't really dedicate it to him. I was doing that for the pay-per-views, uh, sparsely and occasionally, and made it a dedicated thing this year, but up until, like, it doesn't take me very long with the butterfly effect as it is, uh, especially with the UFC week-to-week -week schedule and butterfly effect, basically one thing goes off, it's it can compound. Happens to your boy all the time with my, again, I'm incredibly lucky and privileged, folks. I don't get it twisted. I'm constantly thinking. I'm not even like a religious person, but I'm constantly, if I'm feeling good, I'm like, I am grateful for this health. I see my, my baby boy, Benjamin. I am grateful for my baby boy man over here, my my, my my stink girl brownie below the desk, just laying, being lazy. Like, I am grateful for these things. But when it comes to circumstantial luck, it's fucking awful. It's fucking awful. It's just like an anger management, meet the parents movie. And I'm, just like, I'm like stuck in a wash cycle. Um, I'm not sure where I was getting to off that. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, with the recap shows again, um, I'm doing the live commentaries with Aunt Walker, and when we're done, which makes sense, we're gonna like you know kind of have our proverbial post postcoital cigarette. Uh, no, me and Aunt, Aunt are doing anything like that. Don't, don't worry, folks. But you know what I mean? Just to kind of wind down, like like oh my god, it's over. Um, you, you know, to give our reactions, but it's. You know, moment of reactions. Maybe you didn't catch everything. You know, if you guys are watching at home, maybe you've been drinking or this or that. You know, it could be the case for some of us. You got to keep in mind. I, I, I don't worry. I stay straight. I stay straight for the last one and stay straight for these. Not a problem. Uh, again, I'm trying to get the reps here. I'm trying to be professional, folks. Uh, but yeah, and plus calling it like we're not gonna be be accurate on our takes on our scores. But I want to give you what, what what's live in the moment. So that's why, um, although I'm not counting those as episodes, um, I'm releasing those the day after. Um, if you guys really want, I'll do a recap. If I did something like a Patreon or something like that, then I would definitely probably do extra stuff behind the paywall to justify why the hell I would be opening one of those. But don't worry, folks. Even if I opened one up, um, this show's not going behind the paywall. It's always staying free. And uh, even if I do eventually open one up, I probably won't say anything about it for like months. I'll, I'll do like a Kaposa. Like you guys won't even know. Um, I'll just have it up and I'll just see what happens. All right. Um, da -da -da -da. 
Jimmy Kudo. Speaking of people talking what they don't uh, talking uh, what they are uh, don't know what they are talking about. Sorry, there is a lot of that in the MMA space. Yes, that I've seen lately. Um, that's why for analysis, I stick to yourself. And Jack's like, oh, thank you, sir. Yeah, there there is. Um, unfortunately, I'm trying not to be a hater, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Um, actual analysis, Chucky baby. Uh, Chucky Baby says Vulcan to get squashed like a jobber versus Undertaker on Raw in 1994. Um, this doesn't come off like an Islam nut hugger thing, and it's actually actually has some comedy to it. So I appreciate you, Chucky Baby, and it could look like that. I appreciate the reference, actually. Um, I'm hoping it doesn't happen as a Volk fan, but again, we welcome all opinions, all different types here. It's all good. Just be respectful. Uh, Rain Lamina, no clever pun today. Just wanted to say thank you for a previous pod you did in 2021. For lack of awareness and understanding of hashtag stop Asian hate and both the media coverage for UFC 261. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks. But you know what? Uh, I will say, you know, uh, this is Black History Month, by the way, fo- uh, folks. And I, even in the 90s, as bad as things could have been or argued to be, I don't remember it like it being that hard to come up with, like, say what you will. You know, of course, maybe, you know, you're getting more of the, the classic Harriet Tubman than maybe like the Crispus Attucks or. Uh, some of the low-key figures of the world, granted. Um, his story versus history, right? But, um, but you know, at least they're given something. A for effort, okay? Apparently, it's really difficult for the UFC. Like, do we give them an A for, like, not showing a white dude to Michael Chandler this year? Uh, or, like, you know, what do we grade just showing a bunch of fights where the black person wins? And there's a lot of people who are black, uh, you know, and how do, we, how do we incorporate that with black history? Is it black history? Because a lot of these, you know... Uh, not that they should be, but my country tends to, you know, kind of North Americanize, American-centric some holidays in the way we do. I, I don't know if it's a worldwide thing. It should be. But again, just putting a fighter where the black person wins every time, I don't know how. I guess that's an effort. Um, but yeah, like, when I see the way, you know, I complain, in other words, that, like, Asians still remain to be the only uh whatever general corporate, whatever calendar we're going off of here as far as a monthly awareness that they... they have ignored for over a decade now, folks. Uh, maybe, maybe it's good we stay out of the spotlight when it comes to UFC stuff. Maybe we don't want them highlighting like us. It's probably just gonna be like Michelle Waterson showing her ass, you know? Uh, because again, back to and again, not to feel the any kind of you know incel bullshit talking points about women, but back to that that minty thing too uh, as well. It just it sucks because. Um, and again, I definitely don't want to feel this because there's so many of these fucking Andrew Tate incels who are just like, we'll, we'll take these points and run with it. So I, I am not, let me pre-state this, this is not trying to ring on any of those bells. But yes, if you want to look at a disparity as far as the stereotypical sexualization of any race, there is no bigger disparity to how sexualized Asian women are and how non-sexualized Asian men are. You will find no, you know, almost no bigger gap in the totem pole. Um, and uh, not to discount anybody else, I just don't want to continue down this uncomfortable fucking topic. Uh, but and I will say, you know, and for whatever good, just to, just to round out, so it doesn't get to separate it from an incel talking point, Tate talking point. Um, just because one side might be getting the sexual attention that maybe one side thinks it might get, that doesn't mean it's good either, folks. Because again, um, why I went to actually feeling sympathetic toward Minty, feeling feeling really bad for her ultimately, because not just the casual Asian racism there's the where they don't think they're being racist like oh she looks like she could love me long time like uh, it is it is it is tough it is tough 
So, um, you know, that's it on that. But yeah, appreciate you appreciating that, Rain Lamina. Speaking of Asian females, we got Mary, Mary Mary Rui in the house. Hello, I am also second Chinese listener. That's right, another Chinese female in the house. That's right, baby. Female representation doesn't matter where you're from. I appreciate it. But yes, um, you know, appreciate you know appreciate uh, appreciate you know Chinese in there. Wushu Zhongguoran. I am Chinese. Of course, I appreciate seeing you in there. Uh, Mary says, I'm sure you already know, but there is a lot of Zhang Gang community that like to share your ideas on a weekly basis on Whaley herself. I do, but I appreciate the hell out of you, Mary, and, and the rest of y'all. Um, one last one I want to get to uh, before I jump jump over here. Dan Goldstein says, I'm not racist, but I enjoy race-based humor. I think we should all be able to laugh at each other without the threat of a hot lead. Uh, you, your intention definitely sounds correct there, sir. Um, you know, but again... Uh, Obviously, and again, this isn't me just projecting outwards. This is me just as much talking to myself, folks, because i got to improve myself and be better, too. But yes, a lot of improvement that you know we could be doing in that category. But I, I don't disagree with your sentiment. It would be nice if we could all be at that place, right? Ideally, in a, in a perfect world. Uh, back to the fights, Dan Golding says, The Islam dude bros pull up and start threatening Sharia law on people's families. That's pretty intense for MMA content creators, I imagine. It can be. It can be. I don't. I don't even try to like interact and play into it. And I, I. I get a lot. I've seen what other people get. It's not fun. It's not fun. All right. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna blow through speed. Blow through here. We we went along with the questions. Um. But yeah, we had uh, on the results UFC Vegas 68. We in, uh, let's see right 48 seconds here. Drop my pen. 49. Boom. Got a good listener question. Feel free to submit there, guys, but I'm not going to get to it probably to the end because I realize I let time go here a bit long. Uh, but yeah, we went uh, five and five and one overall and whiffed on everything, basically. Um, we had uh, Sergey Spivak defeated Derek Lewis, which, you know, was a theme. And again, this was another annoying part where I can't get mad. Another reason why it's annoying, and I'm definitely not crying any bad beats. No, no crying for me, despite every reason to cry because uh, I'm just getting beaten so badly. Um, how often does your boy pick grapplers, uh, strikers over grapplers, process-based guys over opportunists? Grapplers over opportunists in the small cage, submission grapplers. Like That is my specialty, and if you look at my trend, I went completely against that, and I paid for this card. Sergey Spivak, of course, defeats Derek Lewis via submission. Um... Maybe my fault for, for betting Derek Lewis. It was just a unit uh, by KO. Didn't expect anybody to jump off the train with me. And again, I've had good history betting both these guys. I've got a good beat on their games. Um, it's weird. It's like it's a, it's, it's an outcome that didn't surprise me, nor should it have surprised you. But at the same time, and it's not me being sour for being on the wrong end of it, but I would temper anybody who's saying, how did you not see this happening? Derek Lewis doesn't have skills. He just tries to get up. Like, there is there is an art to his get up, and he is in the division where you can get away with it. But Spivak uh, proved himself in this fight, a fighter that um, you can't do that against. Because if you look at every fight, again, out, Brian Stan has been saying this forever, and outside of Daniel Cormier, and now Sergey Spivak, it's been true, but everyone who tries to wrestle him has usually failed. So anybody that was took a shot off that cliff with me, I don't think you can really call crazy because traditionally this actually is. Uh, if you picked it right, better right, good for you. But don't say that this is traditionally a fight that Derek Lewis always wins because it's not. It's not. Although again, clinch takedowns, I did should have been made a bigger factor because doing my early tape on Lewis, I think I even remember when I taped him ahead for Roy was like, uh, 
it was clinch um, outside reap takedowns are most uh, effective um, so yeah uh, definitely egg on my face regardless I'm just saying easy on the chest bumping uh, for those saying that you y'all should have known it's heavyweight MMA folks that alone is a defending argument that I could rest my case on Devin Clark defeated da- Unjung baby Unjung um you're wrong, fuck up, Tim. Uh, another reason why I love David Clark being in there because it makes Devin Clark a little more panicky. But no, you know, it's always the best camp of their life. Shout out to Fernando Prates. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it clearly was with Devin Clark for his third time being the charm with Elevation Fight Team. He actually came out. Of course, he ends up looking the best he ever has. Whereas Don Jung, who has made some questionable decisions before and not to, you know, Shit on my Korean brothers and sisters. By the way, I love the Blowback podcast, by the way. Listening to the history on Korea, getting myself educated, my ignorant ass. Listen to the Blowback podcast. Awesome music. Sorry, uh, severe MMA podcast with the Irish jingle. Placating to my little bit of Irish blood that I got in me. But the, whatever the, the Blowback podcast is doing for their music, which you can actually get. Great, great stuff. Love my Korean brothers and sisters. Love Korean fighters. They're all fun. And definitely don't want to be, again, somebody back to, you know, stereotyping things by race, right? But allow me to say something that my fellow Koreans say about their own fighters is that, my goodness, the defense. And I will add something else is the uh, the decision-making, man. How many Korean fighters have we gotten hyped up on just come in and not just, like, lose, but, like, make, like, just some really suspect decisions, right? And I'm not, you know, even just outside of, like, oh... You know, Choi or you know, Choi is actually a good one to look at. But uh, what was the uh, what was the Dong Young Kim to Dong Young Ma? He ended up changing to look like Glenn from The Walking Dead over there. Um, unfortunately, it was made to look like him. You know, spoiler alert. Uh, in some scenes with some of the beatings that poor guy took. Um, and I'll leave it at that because I don't want to be Mr. Spoiler like everybody else is out there, even with stuff that's been out. Um, I hate that. But yeah, um, boy, is that something to note? Like it's just you know. Easy on the Korean juice. Let's just say that. Easy on the Korean juice. I should note that going forward. Props to Devin Clark. Um, Jung, you know, even though out of detriment, he needed to strike more. Uh, The one thing is, I'm like, well, at least he was going for the sub. Almost got it. You know, he was trying to cash it. Again, my analysis wasn't crazy. The analysis can be right, folks. but But picking and playing are all three different things. To pretend that they're the same and to pretend that they're easy, get the fuck out of here with that shit. It is not, and I ate shit here. Marcin Tabora defeated Blagoya like boy, even off. This one sucks because, and again, not going to cry about it because just like the uh, Raquel Pennington fight that did go my way this year, even though it didn't matter. I've been all losing nights for your boy here. Um, but like, just like I said about that Raquel Pennington fight, this was one of those close fights where I'm going with the better boxer who doesn't get credit for the better boxing. You know, just like Pennington fights, Blagoya fights, go listen to their last three fights these are fucking veterans in the UFC and MMA in their divisions by any metrics possible. But yet, maybe because people don't watch the tape, every time go back to this, their last three fights specifically where there's the least amount of excuses, right? The most relevant. Listen to surprise of, oh my God, Pennington can box. Oh my God, Blagoy can box. It's my favorite thing every fucking time. Um... That being said, that recency bias or expectancy bias, uh, if you will, um, doesn't necessarily account for much, though, at the end of the day, because not many people scored those first two rounds for Blagoy. Now, it wouldn't have mattered because, um, you know, uh, you know, 
I don't know if the damage was there, but you know the, the, those dominance and a smart, uh, a sm very smart move by Tabor in the third rounds to get the jump on Bagoy and not let him up. And again, back to not counting on heavyweights to take a back or get ground dominance like Sergey Spivak and Tabor on the same card. Not very consistent, but quietly on strong rolls, which makes you forget about. Which was annoying because like even though I started off like fading the Tabor hype and cashing on Tim Johnson again. Durable Southpaw who can wrestle. Good, 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 good underdog arch archetype. That's why I was riding with Blagoy here, um, who had an argument to win the fight. By the way, you know, if you really look at the striking, and he was even the more impactful striker. But then everybody's like, "Well, he wasn't clean." And I'm like, "Oh, now you guys, now you guys go. Oh, oh, he's the bigger, more impactful. When I'm on the side of the bigger, more impactful striker, it's oh, but he didn't land clean. It's like, if only you guys did that with every other fight. But now we're gonna do that." With heavyweights who don't have to land clean, now we're gonna. Okay, easy, Dan. You promise you're gonna get mad. You promise you're gonna get mad. But those things are true. Those things are true, and it is frustrating, regardless if you care, like Blagoy or not. It just, you know, the guy looks like the fucking grimace out there. He looks like he does not look impressive. I get it, and that's why I love him so much because he's actually fucking talented. And a performance like this just, you know. It wasn't even so much the bet. Like, part of me was just hearing the strays Blagoy was taking. Like, you know, like, all this stuff. It just proves it proves that analysis right. And I think he shot to my guy, Jerry H. But cause, And he wasn't the only one. People were like, oh, Blagoy slows. And I'm like, but what do you mean Blagoy slows? He, I'm not saying he's fast. I'm just saying that speed you're seeing, he, he moves like that in the first round. Like, Blagoy's Bane. He, he was born in the darkness. Yes, Mr. Wayne, penis rises. Dan, what version of Dark Knight Rises did you watch? But yeah, like, he was born in that darkness, right? Like, he was born in the slowness. But, again, third round of a tough fight, and you got a guy like Tavora, one of the few heavyweights that can actually take a back. Back to my original thought there of what I forgot in my original analysis of the man. Um, of course, you know, it just... It just looks bad on Blagoy, so it sucks. Maybe we'll get a good line on him uh, next time out, but uh, Tavora took it, no problem with that. Um, Duho Choi defeated Kyle Nelson v v uh, majority draw. Again, this this was frustrating because, again, my bet was dead in the water. All only bet I had was Choi by KO. And even though uh, Nelson did look like he was on his way out and that break in time allowed a guy who traditionally fades time to recover, I'm not going to live in what could have, would have, should have land. Um, there's enough people that bet Choi that like legitly like lost multiple units that night. And my heart absolutely goes out to you guys. I know it's like the thing to like shit on betters and whatnot. And you know, there's a lot of really bad people in the community, but you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not going to sympathize with you guys, man. A lot of people at Choi should have won that fight. And what I hate about it is that like, yes, it was a, a negligent foul. I no, I don't think Choi did it on purpose. But it's just that whole thing of, like, it's not necessarily the same thing as a Khabib where somebody, like, goes, like, picks the undefeated fighter and then picks that one aspect and they run in with a giant shield to be that annoying person and whatever conversation argument is coming and they just fucking, they, they're just super annoying because all they can fall back on is this person undefeated. And that's facts, bro. That's facts. And it's just, it's the most annoying way to talk and argue ever. Um, I hate that, right? But, uh... Yeah, there's a lot of that. We're like, well, it was a foul. Well, we're going to say that we shouldn't take fouls, but we complain all the time that they don't take points, and now we take a point where we're going to get mad? It's like, no, and I get that, and I'm not saying that. But are we really going to burn? You know, And, and those people will, 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 will poke and make fun of the people who back to making fun of betters going, oh, they're just, they're just mad at da da da, -da. They're just mad. Like, but at the same time, the people defending the point are burning just as much calories, if not more, than the people who bet it. 
So who the fuck's better at that point? So all I tweeted was, I'm like, glad we can all agree that a point should have been taken while we return to business as usual when it comes to fight-changing cage grabs and potentially life-changing vision-altering pokes in the eye. Glad we're going to go back to not taking points for those, letting those accumulate, even though the first warning is given in the back. Yeah, but let's let's give... Let's get an accidental clash of heads. You know, as bad as it optically may have looked, it didn't. It didn't change the fight. It didn't. It didn't do anything. Um, so that was that. That was really unfortunate for Choi. Um, Adam Fugit Fugit defeated uh, Yasaku Kinoshita. Defeated TKO. Happy for Fugit, and just feel bad for Kinoshita. And again, you know, um, not Korean, but a hyped Asian fighter that falls, and it's nice to see. Like, the North American audience actually getting hyped for an Asian fighter, you know, or Asian athlete in general. It just really doesn't happen. And, of course, they go to the stereotype of, like, oh, they struggle when they come over. So, that's just, that sucks to see on that level. Um, but the under, under the only bet I had, which didn't pay anything, unfortunately, because nothing else cashed in the round robin was the under. That that went through. Anshul Jubilee defeated Jekka Saragi. Didn't watch that. Uh, Jung Young Lee defeated Yiza. Didn't watch that. Uh, Rinya Nakamura defeated uh, Kazama. Um, I watched that one. It was just like I just tweeted a picture of uh, Neo from the Matrix, like waking up the, before, right before he goes. Like, I know kung fu. Um, and I just put, you know, like Nakamura was like, "Give me three southpaw weapons and set to spaz." I know kung fu for the last time. No, you don't. Uh, Hyun Sung Park defeated uh, Seung Guk Choi. Uh, did not watch that one. Sorry, Jong Young Park defeated Dennis Tulilin. Um, didn't watch uh, Iron Turtle, unfortunately. Tetsuo Tyra defeated uh, Jesus Santos Aguilar. Did not watch that one. Again, I was running around a doctor's getting treated, probably getting die shot in my eye and stuff during this point. Um, are we under an hour? 56. All right. 56. 30. Bellator. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to give you guys things for Bellator, but yeah, Maga Madoff lost. My parlay was dead in the water before we got to the other two legs. Johnny Eblen defeated Anatoly Tokov by decision. My breakdown went pretty much as is. Picked Eblen picked him by decision, said Tokov would flag, um, and said Johnny Eblen was actually good. And even though there's obviously not an Apple, Apple's comparison to an Alexander Volkanovsky, you guys can see what I'm saying as far as showing in-fight flexibility, being able to stick and move on the outside, High percentage choices in the grappling, good in fight decision making and fight IQ, even when kind of wilding out there. Um, Ryan Bader defeated Fyodor Emelianenko, um, still in the first round, but on the ground like I expected. Um, so I guess better earlier than later, especially with the way that he, as much violence was able to be in that fight. Really sad to see. Really cool for Coker to try to like actually care about MMA history to see all those faces in there, even if some of them didn't really have strong connections to Fedor like Matt Hughes. But, like, it's just cool to see as a guy who appreciates history. And, again, uh, even though I like uh, like me some Bellator, I don't know if I pissed them off. Some of the PR people I noticed unfollowed me. Um, but uh, they're not impervious and I, you know, uh, you know, to criticisms or anything either. Um, but I will say I, something I've always appreciated about Scott is real old school, you know, traditional martial arts guy. I appreciate the history of the sport as well. Um, and that, that, that always kind of shows. He always kind of has his signature there, so... I will give him that. All right, that ends the Bellator recap, 58.05. Um, and uh, we will get into, I already got my shouts done, not doing any Amazon reads. So, yeah, let's get into uh, UFC 284, shall we? That's right, UFC 
2.84 at roughly 59 minutes in. Um, of course, uh, well, well, we'll get a little bit in there. Da -da. Let's go. Theo C. Jr. Yo, Dan. What's up, Theo? Um, da -da -da -dun. Da -da -da -dun. Sorry, I'm just reading some uh, things. I'll get back to them later. I want to. I really want to get into this. I'll get. I'll get sidetracked. I know myself. I, I won't ignore you guys though. So, like I said, um, it's headlined by a super fight: Islam Mahachev minus three eighty, Alexander Volkanovsky plus three ten. Uh, I actually want to thank you guys for checking out this breakdown. Hopefully, you have. I, I'm really proud of it. Um, re uh, writing about both their games, and I know you guys appreciate when I incorporate actual gifts and things to do it, and I did it like for both fighters and the striking and grappling uh, phases of the breakdowns there. Um, they're in reference to those threads that I used off of, and that's part of the reason why I tweeted those out. Um, I tweet those out not just for engagement and get people to follow me. Like, no, I... There's actually time and craft. Not that I'm some video editor or some fucking, you know whatever person you need to listen to I guess but like yeah like there's a theme to it you know I'm not you know like uh, I'm actually clipping the things I'm talking about in, in there and then I talk about them in a different way and they nod to each other and they work in the breakdown and again you can just go to the staple info and just see the basic info and little tendencies and read my cliff notes you don't even have to read the paragraphs but if you want to go further that's there and I'm actually citing work and talking about their games and putting in these tweets but I'm writing these breakdowns I'm formatting it I'm taking the notes to write the breakdowns I'm clipping um, I'm taking uh, not just doing tape notes for the breakdown but also doing timestamp notes so going back over tape then having to go back feed edit post share thread swipe away Islam trolls um go record my breakdown set up the you know so again that that's how when you incorporate all these things that like yeah especially when it comes to a fight that should be getting promotion that it's not getting, you know, from Dana White promoting this fucking white power slap league or whatever. Like, yeah, it, it sucks. It, it, it It's really crap um, to see that they're having to share their promotion time with that, with that trash. Like, I wrote down here, folks, Penn GSP to two dreams. Like, I know, it, like, Ariel was saying, Joe, officially, according to the UFC, Number one, number two, pound for pound. The last time was Jones Cormier. That was a big deal, and I appreciate Ariel and anybody, like I said, trying to shout history. Um, I don't know how consensus that was at that time, but I will say one of the best times we had it, it was so good that you want to talk about promotion. The UFC, this is pre-Fox era, unveiled like multi-million dollar per episode production costs for this thing that you hear fans in the golden era speak fondly of called UFC Prime Time. Shout out to Goes. A little trademark there, the way I said Prime Time. Um, and the first time they did that was with Penn GSP2 for UFC 94, I believe, because 93 was Shogun Coleman rematch in Ireland, which was a really sad sight. Don't go back to watch that fight. It'll just depress the shit out of you. It's kind of funny. Um, but this was a big fight. Like They really promoted it. It was in the golden era where we weren't getting shit shoved down our throats every month, you know, um, or every week, I should say. Um, and there was time to promote, and we actually had dominant champions. You had BJ at lightweight. You had George St. Pierre at welter and Anderson at middleweight. It was a really special time. Um, at the time, although myself and a lot of people would and 
Probably should, not to be honest. Tell you that George St. Pierre is the number one pound for pound all time. Um, and, you know, uh, I know he cherry-picked when he later went up to 185 to get that title, but he, he did do that, yada, yada, yada. But uh, at the time, I think a lot of people would have probably, at least the crowds I hung out it with, would have probably said Anderson Silva would have probably got more. And that, not even just crowds I hung out with. I think that's, that's more casual, too, as well, by the way. Um, but that guy, Anderson, said it was BJ, right? And when you go back to their fight back at UFC 58, I believe, USA versus Canada, it was a headline by David Loazzo versus uh, Rich Franklin. Um, you know, that was a fight that, like, I would shout to the couchside judges, by the way, who did an Australian dive. Uh, I'll try to touch on, but go back and listen to their thing. They, they went and investigated the Australian judges for you betters out there and their trends going ahead. But, like, whether it's them or, like, Shout out to uh, my guy Kyle McLaughlin on uh, Combat Chronicles at Combat CHR, I believe, or CR on Twitter. Um, when they do these, you know, uh, scoring shows where they go back and score retrospectively, be curious to see how that one gets scored. Because even at the time, without the criteria updates, you know, they credited BJ being the more damaging fighter, but George won off of takedowns. One guy went to the hospital, that was St. Pierre, who won the split. You know, BJ went to the bar was as the story goes. So it was, you know, and 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 being a BJ Penn fan at this time, like there was like all this talk, like of, like it was the rib injury against Hughes. He should have won against St. Pierre. Oh, he had the arm bar against Pulver. He was pushed into that fight, and he avenged Pulver. And he went up to make who's gonna count the Machida fight against him, right? Like those were his only losses back then, believe it or not, folks. BJ Penn, who any any later fans are like, what? Like, yeah, no, the guy was a pound-for-pound pound great. So this was a huge deal. The UFC treated it like a deal, and I remember, like, having dreams of being at the event, even though I didn't get to go to the event, couldn't afford it. Um, <laughs> can't afford fence now, that's for damn sure. But, like, yeah, I, I just had dreams about it, folks. Like, that's how hyped I was. Like, when I speak with this passion, and many of us speak with this passion, and we speak fondly of this golden era of the sport, you have to understand the context in multiple ways on how things are so dramatically different back then than they were now. Not necessarily for the better, like you think they would in some things, but yeah, they were they were very different. So it, it is a shame, and I, just because it's a shame, and just because I may be jaded, and, and you may be jaded, and the UFC just doesn't care to promote it the way they should, you know, for, for the most part. Not the broad brush, because there's a lot of great people who would if it was up to them. Not trying to denigrate them. But yeah, I went above and beyond um, for my breakdown this week, even though I'm rooting against the pick. But the preparation of it and those threads, I'm really proud of those. Really proud of finally putting something together for Islam Makachev's risk control. You guys know I've been talking about it here for years, right? I've talked about it and written on my breakdowns. But again, I don't get the big platform pushes. People want short TikTok videos of people doing eye-catching stuff, whether it's goofy shit or looking a certain way and both those things if you know what i'm reading out between the lines is not my brand unfortunately so yeah no one was hearing it so like shout some to luke thomas i appreciate him sharing that islam makhachev i know he's a dude who's been high on this guy and, and speaks on you know a, a, a flag a, a holder a torch holder if you will for high level analysis i appreciate him sharing that out but all y'all i appreciate all you guys sharing that stuff out man because um you know, I, I, I'm not someone that needs to be listened to or anything. I'm not somebody special. I don't deserve the world. I'm very lucky to have what the hell I do have, folks. I'm not trying to complain or anything. But um, 
it is nice to have some validation on just you know you know seeing the stuff that I've been talking about for years and years constantly proven right not getting any credit or recognition for it uh, and then when I go and decide to track my bets uh, I start eating shit as um, I just of course I'm looking terrible and I'm, I'm wondering I'm like this is gonna be like uh, my first real losing year in a long time I bet now that I'm actually uh, not that you couldn't track or I wasn't publicly accounting for before but you know what I mean with an actual easy app you can go to just to get a quick total with no context to see how I'm doing and I'm fucking awful uh, we'll see if I can uh, right the ship here. I'm picking Islam Makhachev by decision. Um, not because I don't want to see Volkanovsky finish. I, I think Volkanovsky honestly has the submission defense, um, scrambling ability, heart and cardio, fight IQ, and preparation. He's going to be really tough to finish. Even if Mach Makhachev goes out there and turns in a dominant performance that his, fa his fanboys are predicting, I think it's going to be competitive. I see people get mad at the word close and competitive or use, and they're mainly using the words close. And I would say, I'm not going to be one to fucking say where arbitrary things should go. But uh, I think competitive is when something is like they're not being blown out of the water. You know, close but clear. I think you can use the word competitive. I think close but clear is a tricky one. I've used it myself. I'm not above it, folks. I'm just as guilty again. I'm not talking shit here. But uh, close is when we were talking about the round could have gone either way. And that's actually a pretty wide, more than we'd like, window, right? Considering the subjectivity of how criteria is written. You can justify rounds to go a large swing of ways. So that's already a big of enough window. Let's just let close represent that and competitive represent the next neighborhood over, if that makes sense. So I see this being very competitive regardless of the outcome. Um, I do think... Volkanovski can make it close, but if he can make it close, that means he could theoretically win, which is why I don't hate people putting money on him. And I won't call you crazy, but I am not confident enough in his ability to make this close to the point where I can confidently pick him to win, especially with all the shit that I can confidently say you get when you pick Islam Makachev. Hell, just like me and my, my guy Kyle were talking about, you can both pick Makachev, but if you're not, you know, sucking the dick exactly the way the Dagestani Makachev, Khabib fanboys, nothing is being Dagestani, nothing is Khabib, but again, they're very all synonymous circle with that, how that goes, how they fetishize these fighters. If you're not, like, stroking it just the way they want you to stroke the, uh, the D... They get very upset. They get very upset. Again, this is the crowd where, like, Khabib or Islam could walk to, like, the edge of the stage and just, like, motion toward their zipper, and they're just whipping out their Dixie cups, and they're just running to the edge of the stage. Oh, pick me! My cup! Please! You know, they just, they want to taste so bad. It's it's disgusting. Um, and that's half-joking, because it's, it's literally how these people come off. It's just, it's, it's... I mean, you want to talk about annoying fan bases. Oh, my God. And I get labeled as a hater, despite actually liking their style, despite being one of the early guys like the Luke Thomases of the world who've been telling you about Makachev and stuff like, you know, pre-Leo Koontz, like watch this dude, um, you know, saying that he is more technical, not as athletic, not as dangerous, not as good, in my opinion, uh, not as confident, not as durable as Khabib, but technical? Yeah, that's been an early opinion of mine, and I think we've seen that kind of you know, taken as far as, you know, just the real technical intricacies. Does that mean you, you're you better? No, but it is something, right? He's very, very um, enjoyable to watch. As enjoyable as to watch as Volkanovski? Not for me personally, but 
That doesn't mean I'm a hater of Makachev's style, right? Or Khabib's style. Which they have different styles, by the way. Um, Makachev's much more of a counter grappling stylist, even though he obviously can force his fight. Um, you even hear guys like DC make note of this, where they give him a crap about not using his wrestling enough. But you look at the way he fights, he likes a lot of risk controls and disruptive play. And that lends yourself to not so much just countering because you can get offensive initiated, but, you know, really clever with your setups, really things with a purpose, right? And, um, and yeah, uh, so, again, a lot of positives to say about Makachev's game. Um, he will be bigger, and size does matter. But here's the, the counter to that is, you know, Volkanovski doesn't seem to have too much issue with bigger guys. There's a lot of fighters who are more comfortable fighting bigger guys because they are used to being the shorter guy, right? Um, styles make fights in that regard. And despite being the shorter guy, technically is the longer reach, will be the better striker. Um, the more skilled, the more diverse striker. But can he keep it under that realm, right? Um, I would like Volkanovski. I would do like a contrarian pick and pick him in late rounds. But the thing is, Makachev, you know, just calling it for what it is, man. He's been a bony kid his whole life. And, uh, you know, after about UFC fight number two, which is was was his loss. Um, you got some positive tests. You got some layoffs. Uh, and he you know, he did focus on you know doing his last of his sambo competitions. I believe as late as twenty sixteen. But you know, like a lot of those guys, you know, everybody makes the stereotype of Thailand. You know, what about going over to the UAE? His team over there, Abu Dhabi, right? Trains over there just as much, if not. And uh, since he started doing his camps over there too different vitamin regimen, maybe a different doctor. Dude looks, you know, very strong and big. But I will say this, too, is that grappling styles make fights. Now, even though Volkanovski is an overall more flexible fighter, a good answer to flexibility, again, is hand fighting because it's just such a connector to all phases of martial arts. It's such a disruptor. It's such a, a powerful agent. Again, an unsung hero, as I call it. Um... So that's where a lot of my confidence as far as the technical acumen, adaptability, stymieing could happen. Uh, but again, uh, part of me is curious, like, you know, what happens if he does start to tire, right? Maybe it's a tough cut. Um, who knows? You know, that's where things can kind of get interesting if he can force that pace and how that also rounds back to not just speculation on size, but why not to, or on weight cuts, but why not to get too high on the size things? A lot of times there are so many... You know, um, it's real popular, whether it's... And John Anik was talking about it from the top level. You know, I love John Anik, but he even admits it himself too. You know, down to the degenerates where I live and all the betting people, right? Like, there's so many people that are just like, oh, but you see the size of them. Oh, the reach advantage. Oh, you're going to get plus money and a reach advantage. Like, yeah, Dan Tom Jerkoff, Jeff. Like, it's not the end-all, be-all in this stuff. And, and particularly in grappling. We talked a bit about the striking as far as size, but grappling. I mentioned this with Stipe and Cormier, and it didn't really come to fruition. But um, when you talk about different size of fighters, and they both are wrestlers or both are good grapplers, how do things stack up? You favor the guy based on size. Well, it's a two-way street because if you're a guy that likes control, um, like a lot of these, you know, uh, you know, Dagestani, you know, uh, meta to stereotype that game and stuff, and wrist pins, cross-wrist rides, control, ground and pound, pressure cook to submission and punishment. Um, well, 
you don't want to face somebody that's going to make you work hard and scramble. And I personally don't like, I'd rather grapple with bigger people. Uh, I don't like going with smaller people because they make me set a pace that I don't necessarily like to keep. Now, I'm more of a, a distance runner. I'm not an explosive guy. I let people get their explosive stuff out of the way. I'll look to counter while it's going on, but I really look to step on the gas until they start to show their first times of tiring. You know, the whole Robert Follis, late Robert Follis, you know. Wait for them to put down the pack so I can pick it up because that's when they're going to be most vulnerable if I can survive and manage properly, right? Um, so it's not even like I'm afraid of my cardio, but even though despite being more of a distance runner type as far as my cardio and approach, that even then... I still don't like going with scrambly guys. They just, you know, they're they're more technical generally. Um, so a lot of my stuff can be shut down. And then I'm I'm stuck fighting on their beats, whether I'm being offensive or defensive. If they're talented enough and technical enough to keep pace and stay out of trouble, then even if I'm the one winning and initiating, but they're making me work at their pace, there's a little bit of a tortoise in the hare effect, right? There's who's the winning right now, but who's projected to win this, right? Um, so that's where it gets really tricky, and I warn anybody who just likes to do the, the, the lazy analysis and go, bigger, better, bigger, longer reach, taller, bigger, bigger muscles. So I warn everybody there. And uh, I saw somebody joke that says if Volkanovski was doing like leg lock defenses for get-ups, like the whole heel hook for separation, like if Craig Jones gets Volkanovski to leg lock um, here, uh, I won't forget forgive him. And it was funny, like one of the Islam haters were just like, I literally take the time again to write and clip exactly what I'm talking about. And some, some douchebag is just like, uh, oh, there's a really poor uh, old clip choice. It has nothing to do with Alex's game, what he's working on now. Like, oh, are you in his camp? Because that's the only way you would know. And if you were, you wouldn't be talking shit uh, and giving away secrets, you know, or anything like that. And the person goes, and you don't mention that. That, 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 that the difference that Craig Jones is going to make. I'm like, maybe because I don't know the difference Craig Jones is going to make. Maybe because uh, we haven't seen a, a long sample size of him working with Craig Jones. And maybe because even if we did, Craig Jones or any other coach that's a great coach or a great fighter turn coach or a specialization training partner or any of the above fucking matters because they're not in the cage with them. What the... Am I supposed to analyze the what ifs you know what I'm saying and then the person sums it up going Islam's just gonna beat him anyways like, like say, you know it's like, okay buddy like you just literally shit on your own points three times in one T congratulations showing that you're an asshole and a dumb one that being said I did touch on it in my breakdown saying that it could be an interesting dynamic I'm not gonna pretend to be a Craig Jones expert but Cliff Notes uh, the guy does a lot of books on anti-wrestling and leg locks are some of his known specialties, amongst other things that he's good at. Um, so that is the whole reasoning as far as why uh, the anti-wrestling, why he would incorporate them. And as far as the leg locks go, I actually think it's kind of interesting because I mentioned this um, in Makachev's last fight with uh, Oliveira, and if a dummy like me seeing it, well, smart camps like Volkskamp are sure as shit are seeing it. Where, you know, granted it's only two sample sizes and one of them is old. Mahachev's fight with Chris Wade. But you go to that fight with Chris Wade, I believe the end of round two. And maybe even the end of round two or round three. Probably round two um, as well against the Thiago Moises fight. A little more relevant in the Mahachev sample size. Um, he gets caught and stuck in leg locks for like about a minute. And he gets saved by the bell ringing because he makes the wrong decisions that actually put him in bad heel hook positions against Chris Wade. 
And years later, the only improvements he does against Moises is that he makes even more conservative and just doesn't want to move and just stalemates until the end of the round and lets time run out, looks to his corner. Like, not great signs. This does not show, which makes sense. You look at when he started getting into grappling, um, you know, around 20, you know, you know, late, late 2000s uh, to 20, you know, 2009, 2011, this guy's starting his pro career, right? I'm grappling at Extreme Couture, and even I feel like I'm the head of the game because I was lucky enough to have, like, guys like Neil Melanson, um, who was educating all this stuff on the leg lock stuff before even Danaher and Danaher, her death squad guys, kind of really got popularized with the leg lock. So that when that that wave came about, as it does in no-gi grappling first, usually, um, these kind of MMA trends or grappling trends that do make its way to MMA, however faint is up to argument, the ones that make it, it's where they generally stem from. Uh, luckily, I had a bit of an education on that to kind of see, you know, understand that and appreciate that game as it was hitting. Since then, it's popularized, but again, is that mainly over here, Europe, uh, other places, you know, uh, maybe more traditional BJJ places have been late to accept it. They have rules that kind of dissuade against it. Flip side, opposite BJJ, wrestling more judo sambo, which is in Dagestan, uh, those parts of the world, um, you know, there's leg locks in there too so it's like they should have a leg up but it's more like rolling knee bar you know straight up stuff as far as like innovative you know stuff much less any jiu-jitsu centric parambola stuff like you're not really going to see that in their styles you know so because of that does your defense get weak even me i need a, some leg lock brushing up on folks my knees and my confidence are both terrible so i find myself especially when i was having to wear wrestling shoes um, tapping really fast more than I would like to leg locks just to be safe and because if you don't practice them it's like holy crap right so again not that I'm expecting Volkanovski by leg lock but can he use those to get out of precarious positions knowing that Islam as good as he is of a grappler that is literally the one place that he hasn't shown he, he has shown any 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 you know uh, holes in his armor there so not crazy anyone pointing out the leg lock thing too so we'll see am i going to count on leg locks in mma at this high of a level to be the difference maker no but is it worth mentioning and is there facts to to, to support it yes um so that's something to worth worth watching out for but yeah i'm gonna pick um Mahachev here i think as far as bet goes i haven't bet this but the only thing i would maybe bet would be like fight goes to decision at plus money i would like more than plus 120 to 138 ish is what i'm seeing it now um, but that would be my bet, you know. Um, I don't blame anybody for taking is if you like Islam or Volk, like maybe sprinkle on them by decision. I honestly I don't want to bet too much on this fight. Um, I just I'm picking Makachev. I'm rooting for Volkanovski, and if I do bet, it's going to be betting in the middle, folks. I mean I don't know how much more segmentedly political correcto I could get with that, but yeah, that would probably be it um, as I'm doing. Um, I don't even know if I put that in my round robin either. But I will have something for the next fight. Let's see what time is like here. One twenty-one. I'll, I'll go through some uh, some questions here. Um, One twenty-one and Volkmach. Unless you guys have questions on it. All right. Um, <clears throat> da -da -da -da. Rain Lamina. I hope us Whaley fans aren't like that. We don't think she's unstoppable. We're just excited to see her compete. No, no, I appreciate you guys. That's the other thing about you know, the Volk and, 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 and Makachev fans. You know, something, you know, um, my guy Kyle brought up is like, dude, Volk is legit pound for pound number one. Even people that weren't giving him that credit before are now giving him that credit. And uh, as good as he is, even us, us fans of his, like, we're not, like, acting like he's unbeatable or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? So that's why it's just extra silly 
uh, these fucking Islam and Khabib fanboys look. It's really... Nothing wrong with being fans of those fighters, or those fighters, by the way. Just, again, you know who we're talking about here. It's a specific sect of uh, crap, unfortunately. Um, Dan Goldstein, just stopped in to leave and like and support the algorithm. I appreciate that. That means a lot, uh, Dan Goldstein. Uh, good luck on the weekend and the chat. Oh, look at that. Pre wishing me luck and the chat. Thank you, Dan. I wish you the best of luck, too. Um, Gaia Nightlord says, you mentioned process-based versus opportunistic fighters. How does a process-based fighter defeat a good opportunistic, low-output, heavy-handed fighter? Um, usually you take them into, you make high-percentage choices, you take them into deeper waters. It's, it's easier said than done, but that's basically it. You know, not throwing yourself out of position, both in a grappling and striking sense. And where you do throw yourself, make sure you're, you're heading in a high-percentage direction really what it comes down to. How good is that process? Do you have durability to support that process? Good submission defense if you do get caught in those precarious positions. These are things on how you can outweigh um, who perhaps has a better chance of coming out on top because it's there's no hard and fast rule there, folks. Jimmy Kudo, no egg on your face for some of these picks. Your analysis is always appreciated. Appreciate you, Jimmy Kudo. All right, Synchro Wing. Uh, I like that yourself can admit that if your pick doesn't hit, that you don't make excuses for it. Nope. I, I feel like I try I try to do a good job of that anyways. I'm not perfect. Never claim to be. But yeah, I, I try to keep the same energy on that. He says, I have ran into a channel that does analysis with their prediction. When their prediction is wrong, it's a bunch of, he says, continues, excuses like Fighter A didn't prepare well and should have beaten Fighter B if they prepare the way I predicted. Yeah, you could. That's a dangerous game to get into because you could always do that, right? Like that is always a woulda shoulda. That's why I try to say, try not to live too much in woulda shoulda world. You know what I'm saying? Try to live more like in positive world. Like my guy Alvin Yakatori here, right or wrong, Mr. Tom. The analysis is always good. I can speak for most of the MMA mania, gentlemen, from Mr. Riggs. We all love your hard work, thoughts, and takes. Appreciate that. Uh, Ghost Phantom, love Johnny Eblen. Very interesting fighter. Yeah, I, I, I glad that I'm glad that fellow analysts like yourself. Um, appreciate that. Uh, Ghost Phantom adds, do you think uh, debasing outside low kick for the lead leg is a good idea in the open stance matchup? Um, I don't think it hurts. Uh, Islam and a lot of these fighters don't, for, for as takedown heavy as you associate them, they don't really have those catch kick counters like you would expect. They're great at sweeping the foot as far as foot sweeps go and foot play, leg play. Foot play sounds like it's a... <laughs> speaking of Dagestani fetishes, right? He's got great foot play. No, uh, leg work, right? In the clinch on the floor. But as far as like those catch kick counters, like no, he doesn't... He doesn't really... Um, he doesn't really have those. Um, all right. Let's see. Shanker... Uh, Craig Jones said Ortega is a more submission wise than Islam would you agree with him Synchro Wing asked this uh, yeah, um, I get what he's saying uh, whether it's MMA or grappling sense he's the more dangerous submission fighter I don't think that's wrong uh, but again getting to winning conditions keeping winning conditions high percentage choices back to those things um, he doesn't have that because Islam's more of a process based fighter which is probably why most of us are picking him who we're actually trying to put you know, uh, process or, or you know, uh, thought into this. Whereas, uh, obviously, Ortega is a, is a very opportunistic fighter, right? One of the most. Um, Jimmy Kudo, did you know that Alexander Volkanovsky is also part owner of Bang Tao? Oh wow, I didn't know that. Uh, fun fact: he said that on the Countdown Show. So that's cool, right? 
They have Jiri, Whaley, Loma, Taitui Vaso. Yeah, great stable down there. Uh, really respect the Hickman brothers a lot. And it uh, looks like they brought in some really good people, some really good Russian wrestlers as well. Uh, freestyle wrestlers. Uh, shout out to App Feeder's nephew on tw on Twitter. He actually tweets out um, the names. Um, da -da -da -da. Thoughts on the Giggler sweep? Knee lever from bottom guard uh, for Volk instead of... Uh, okay. uh, yeah, I'm not too familiar with it. I know what you're talking about, that move. And it, it's, it's based off of... Uh, a half guard sweep that uh, I, I actually really like, um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm not going to be counting on like again one one super secret move to defeat uh, Islam. But I know I've seen that that tweet and that joke kind of going around. That just teach him a giggler sweep. Um, all right, Mark Fellows is Jake Matthews on the card? No, Jake Matthews is not on the card. Mark, Jake Matthews, Jake, Jake Matthews wanted to fight. Uh, uh, really big mistake because he took a fight and then lost his lost his spot and momentum for him. Uh, now it's Jimmy, Jimmy fucking Crute. Jimmy fucking Crute. We'll talk about Jimmy Crute in a bit, um, leaning his way. Next fight, all right. Timestamp here, 127. Emmett, Mr. Emmett, plus 155. Yair Rodriguez, minus 180. Again, despite Alexander Volkanovsky, the reigning uh, UFC featherweight champion and number one pound-for-pound pound king, is alive, well, thriving in hell, even fighting on the very same card. The UFC, of course, sees fit to keep up their tedious tradition, keeping interim titles in circulation. Just bullshit. Don't even give me the well guarantees him for a title shot. Like, I get what you're saying, but how much does it really guarantee him? Oh, they fight for more money if it's five rounds and if it's for a title. How much more money? How much? How much are they really getting right now? I mean certainly going to be afraid to ask for money if you see him like you see the UFC cutting everybody letting everybody go from Francis Ngannou to Sayyid Yukub Kakramanov because someone that's talented you know and has the potential of earning more money like no they don't want that anymore they don't want that anymore nope it's the ultimate filler of content ultimate filler of content that's what they want can you fill in buddy we'll give you a bonus if you can but don't expect much more if you ask for much more, you probably won't get it. In fact, probably put a black mark behind you secretly. Who knows? You know, who the fuck knows? Um, as volatile as this fight is, I actually have somewhat of a clear, confident—not confident, but a clear read. Uh, either guy could knock each other out, which is spoiler alert. Why uh, my bet for the card via Action Network got a unit on fight doesn't go. You probably get it a better number throughout the week. Uh, I was only able to get it a plus one hundred for a unit. Um, you can get cheekier and even play the under, like an under two and a half. You can get a, a good number. I'm calling for a second round finish. Most of these guys' finishes come in the first two rounds. If not, it comes at the very end of either three round or five round frames. So even if they're losing, there's still hope. And even if you bet the fight that it doesn't go to a finish and we're in like the last minute of round five, as we've seen Yair versus Korean Zombie, there is still hope. I remember walking away from that fight going, fuck, man, I bet the fight doesn't go the distance. And I'm like, I lost this bet, and I walked away, and all of a sudden you just hear, oh my god, and I turn around, and you see Korean Zombie in like a family guy slash Marty McFly uh, face down position with his hand behind his back, right? Um, that was crazy, so I don't feel like I really got to explain or justify my bet or defend myself for making that bet, um, but I did end up finding uh, Rodriguez, uh, I think it opened at plus 340, so maybe you were able to get it higher, but... It dipped immediately down to plus 275, and you're stuck trying to have, find better numbers. I did find plus 300. Uh, yeah, you're by KO. I put 0.33 Scotty P, Scotty Pippen, 0.33 U. 
uh, on that for a, a pretty much a unit return, that 99, uh, 0.99, so pretty much a unit return on that. And then uh, in, in another house, I took him um, small, 0.17, so a total 1.5 unit, divided up multiple houses, total 1.5 unit. Um, but Rodriguez round two KO, I got that at uh, bet online at plus eleven fifty. So I put point uh, seventeen point one seven U baby uh, for almost a two unit return. Uh, if that if that bad boy hits, um, because basically um, even though Rodriguez has low hands that are really suspect and does these low swooping things that I thought was going to get him in trouble. Um, and low handed stuff against the cage, he's going to have the big cage to 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 be more forgiving to his really bad footwork and poor defensive choices. Uh, but again, Emmett goes to the body, comes up high, does shifting, corralling, southpaw uh, combinations that actually could serve him really well here. So again, no one should be surprised if he gets the KO. And if he does, we'll still profit um, with the way I'm playing this. So that's good at least. Um, but you look at kicking defense. You know, even guys who aren't normally big kickers knew that he, you know, could see that he doesn't have great kicking defense and hasn't gone against many kickers, which is why Shane Burgos, you know, you forget he spammed leg kicks in that fight. Um, and, of course, you know, he goes to the body as well. And, of course, uh, on a, on the wrong end of a suspect decision. It should have very – it probably should have been a draw, to be honest, how I scored it. You know, you go 10-8. Um, it's borderline 10-8 because Shane Burgos tries his damnedest to fight his way back for the 9. I wouldn't mind if he got the 9, by the way. It's not like a hard 10-8 even for me, someone who wants to see more 10-8s. But those first two rounds, even Emmett didn't look really good. He, like, literally was hurt to the body and the legs in the second round and was hurt to the legs visibly both from his knee thing in the beginning and from leg kicks in the first round, plus just being outstruck. Um... You know, and that's the crazy thing about this fight. Like, at least Emmett's on a winning streak, but, like, you could you could make decent arguments that he lost his last three fights, you know. Burgos probably should have been a draw, despite my Hawaiian bias and other people and multiple people on the night scoring it for Ige. Uh, I still scored it for Emmett, granted. But still, there's an argument for Ige there, who worked the body a lot and went counters. Again, body working counters. Lovely, lovely. Always representing well on the scorecards. Um, and then, of course, the Calvin Cater fight, which... You could score that way in a way that justifies for Emmett, especially if you're giving credence to the body work. So again, far be it for me to be a hypocrite, but that Chris Lee round four score is just is just is just terrible. And I'm not a guy who piles on the Chris Lee train. He actually has some de de he has some deceptive stats for really good scores uh, throughout. He just has some really notable ones that are hard to defend. And of course, those are the ones that people are going to fairly or unfairly hang on to, right? Um, but yeah, there's an argument. Josh Emmett lasts his last three. Yair Rodriguez won his last fight, a one-fight winning streak that's off an injury TKO. And if you look at it, folks, he only has two other wins in the last half a decade other than the injury win. And that's a fight that he was losing up until he to the very last second against Korean Zombie. And a fight where he was arguably saved by the bell against Jeremy Stevens, though he was able to hurt Jeremy Stevens to the body. Hold that note, right? Uh, and what was the what was the victory before that? When we start getting into the back half of the last half of the decade of the second half of the decade, oh well, that's the corpse of BJ Penn. Yeah, I mean, you really look at the wins and the quality of wins. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, you know. And you know, say what you will. I'm a big fan of Boston Strong, uh, Charles Rosa, but you know that split decision that you could argue for Charles Rosa as well. Um, where Yair barely made it out alive. He's throwing up, could barely stand during the post-fight. Gracious cards in Mexico at elevation, right? Um, 
Ended that fight, too, on the bottom, getting pounded, just like his fight with Stevens that he won. Um, what was the common thread? These were dedicated, you know, uh, guys who pressured. And Rosa moved away from that after this after that fight. He really kind of leaned into the karate hopping. But even he was able to pressure him, you know what I'm saying? Emmett, he, he goes on the back foot a little too much for my liking. Now, does that mean it doesn't work for him? No, he makes it work for him. Does that mean he can't pressure? Of course Emmett can pressure. And to be honest, he'll probably pressure a lot more than we've seen him before because Yair's footwork is so bad and inviting to pressure. Um, so I don't want to criticize him too hard because I know he's going to probably have one of his better looks, or he should. And he should be planning to, and he should organically as well, regardless if he's planning to, Emmett, as far as pressuring forward. But that is a common theme. And, an, and another common theme, again, is that Emmett, for his poking holes in his resume, he hasn't really faced a lot of kickers and people who have kicked had a lot of success. Uh, particularly to the body. I mean, even just punching or kicking the body, Emmett doesn't block well to the body. He doesn't block well to the legs. And Yair has been really, I love it, man. You know, kind of like Machida did, you know, later in his career, really sat into more Thai style kicks than the karate kicks, or in Rodriguez's case, Taekwondo traditional kicks. Um, you see him throw more like Thai style kicks to the bodies and body and legs, and I love it. You know, he's still throwing his front kicks, his spin kicks, his side spin side kicks to the body. Question mark kicks, fly aerial kicks, spin kicks to the head. All those things are still there. But he's throwing much more practical kicks. I mean, even that Max Holloway fight where Max Holloway like put him through the ringer. Uh, Max Holloway was taking damage because of it. Because Max Holloway wasn't able to get a durable Rodriguez out of there, he subsequently had like a blown up calf by the end of it, right? So, you know, and he had all those checking hooks and certain things like that. Like he was really looking to take Max Holloway out with his fists. And looking at some of those shots, you know, if it wasn't Max Holloway's, like, incredible, legendary, durable chin, like, Yaya Rodriguez, say what you will about the lack of defense, lack of setups, and nuance, his punching technique and boxing presence has gotten better by crude definite, but, but, you know, uh, by the crudest of definition. It really has. Um, and he could have finished a lot of guys with those shots that he was landing. I mean, so he could even do it with punches here, folks, you know, with a checking hook off of these kicks. Um, perhaps it's going to be built off of the body and legwork will open up the headshot, right? A big devastating head kick. But I honestly seeing it being a body kick, you know. Josh Emmett, both these guys cut a lot of weight. I'm curious if they're going to have extra or less time. But but um, Josh Emmett cuts a ton of weight, and he's 37 now, folks. Yair, he's already, you know, destined for 155 in my mind, and he's 30 years old. You guys know my rule. It's 31 where I start banking, looking closer almost betting against you in your weight cuts. If you're continuing to fight at a, a division, you're a big, long guy at these lower weight classes, particularly 135. But Yair, as big as he is, he's only 10 pounds up at 145, making these insane cuts. So his time's coming soon. You know, it sounds like he's had a lot to do in camp. He's got, you know, fucked up feet like John Jones after every fight. It looks like he's got some fucked up feet coming into this. And then they're not too fucked up, but like he's got band-aids over his big right toe, like dating back like two months and his social medias, for whatever that's worth, whatever that means. Maybe it's just Matt Burn from wrestling. Who knows? And it doesn't go away because it's just annoying little thing that, that you just because you keep training on it, right? But basically, like my bet, uh, Yair, round two KO, um, I see him, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a wild fight, maybe a feeling out or wildness in the first round, but I see him cleaning up in the second round, um, getting a finish there. Um, you know, Emmett's been finished in the second round before end of the first round so uh yeah that's where i'm going with that um i'll check the chat but i got nothing else to say on that fight 137 so 10 minutes on that fight 
and and let's go to the chat. Um, bada ba bam. Jimmy Kudo, Yair is insane cardio. Uh, correct that can defeat Emmett? Question mark. Um, yeah, he does have insane cardio, and it certainly will help him. Uh, Emmett, uh, I think that you know, if you want to switch things up and wrestle, um, he's shown to be a willing back taker, but he doesn't have a game over game there. And he doesn't implement it enough because, again, he is on his back foot. And furthermore, um, not only has he stopped wrestling meaningfully uh, since the Scott Holtzman fight, which he won, but he shoots a bunch of takedowns in that fight and he stops. It's because he gassed out. And I think it gets in a fighter's head, you know, that fear of gassing out. And that was up at 55. I, I can't imagine he's going to feel any more confident down at 45 now at 37, even older, you know what I'm saying, to really push that gas tank. So I don't think he's confident enough to, even though he won that whole, which does a lot, right? Because he won that Holzman fight, and it was 10 pounds up. And not to call fighters scared or anything, just for lack of a better word, but if you were to make an outside the box from the numbers, from watching the tape, outsider's perspective, which is me, ignorantly as it may be, it would appear that he kind of scared himself off from that. And that's not to denigrate him as a fighter because there is nothing more scary aside from getting in that cage, which is why you should respect all these fighters, including Josh Emmett, folks. But there's nothing more scary than gassing out. You know, you can really scare yourself off of that, right? We've seen fighters ease up on the gas pedal and certain techniques all together because of that. Some of my canary in the coal mine is back and legs and neck and knees and shoulders stop fighters from wrestling is why they fall in love with their striking as they get older. That could be part of it. Another is, is maybe just the fear of gassing out. You know, your, your cardio, they talk about chin and certain things going, uh, speed. Uh, cardio is one of those things that go with age too, you know? So that's something to um, consider. Um, so Santino DeFranco said that cardio is always the first thing he looks at. Uh, Santino Franco knows what he's talking about. Yeah, that's a that's a huge that's a huge thing. You have to look at that. I don't I don't disagree. First, second, third, as long as it's one of the top things, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I'd I'd sign off on that. Um, but yeah, I don't think Emmett can do that if he would want to. And I, wh why I say meaningfully because he does do takedowns, albeit at a lower rate. If you look at those takedowns, he's like stuck in that like Greg Jackson like golden era where like late round takedowns were were fooling judges. Right, like he's shooting takedowns at the end of rounds. It's not good. It's like it's not. It's not smart. Um, it's not going to do anything for you. And Yair is really difficult to deal with and get down. Pasco Rahan. Uh, sorry if I Rochon. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Pasco, you're the man. My biggest play of the card. He says is Yair Emmett fight doesn't go the distance plus one thirty. Okay, so we're on the same uh, boat. He says love to hear it, my guy, that you're on it too. Also been thinking about Volk Islam fight goes the distance. Yeah, I feel like those are the, my two most confident reads on, on the both the main and the co-main. One goes the distance, one doesn't. Don't got to worry about a winner in those cases. And you get plus money for what it's worth. Don't go betting your house on it. I'm just saying that's where I'm looking. That's where others are looking apparently. Synchro Wing, are you familiar with Mike's MMA fix? Yeah, I love Mike. Would you ever have him on your show? Oh, of course I would. I'm just, you know, again, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting my own shows together. That's why I didn't do a guest this week. Giving you the guest treatment again with the Ant Walker thing. You know, that's kind of my cheat for a guest and a recap show if I don't get to either. And again, it was just so much to deal with. Last thing I needed to do was was, was worry about linking up. But I, I, I love Mike. Mike. Mike does great, great work. Would you ever have him on your show? Yes. Seems like he does his film work like yourself. He is very dedicated from what I gather. So I, I appreciate that. I know people give him and myself crap for those aspects of our personality. No, 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 no problem with it, by the way. Uh, give me shit all you like. But uh, I appreciate that from him, man. I really genuinely do. 
Um, Pascal says, in my opinion, Comain has so many possible ways of ending. Um, with Emmett's one-patch power, Yair's slick striking speed could overwhelm Josh. Adds, you also have the possibility of an injury stoppage. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about that, right? Yeah. Knowing that 80% of the time coming in with an injury, I would not be surprised to see the doctor stoppage from my ears, sharp elbows, and knees. Hmm. Could be something interesting worth locking out there for. Uh, Rain Lamina, are you sad that Josh Emmett is getting a title shot? He doesn't have anything for Volk or Yair. I mean, he lost to Kitsar if you judge Rama around. Uh, it does suck, but I will say I don't want to... Me, you know, just because I'm questioning the validity and shitting on that doesn't mean I'm shitting on either of these fighters. Josh M in particular is a guy that deserves your respect, man. Uh, I'm a big fan of his story. You know, he actually started in traditional martial arts too, uh, kung fu and stuff. So, uh, come from a similar background in that sense, even though I did taekwondo as well, like Yair. Um, but, you know, he come, I believe, you know, single family home, lived with his mother, which, uh, I get. I believe he's even had to protect his mother on multiple occasions, which I, I get. And that's part of the reason why Josh got into martial arts. I believe, shout out to Fitz, Brennan Fitzgerald, Fitz Nation podcast. I think this was his interview. I gathered this information. But yeah, like he got into it to defend his mother as a teenager because he was just like the man of the house, but he's a teenage boy. And like, I, uh, I really sent him out with his story, man. So, you know, uh, seems like a good dude by all accounts. So nothing but positive wishes to Josh Emmett. I'll be very happy if he wins this. Um, if you, you know, uh, again, I'm picking out here, I'm picking Islam, but like, as people, and like, who I'm like, my heart's probably with, like, I'm probably rooting for Emmett and Volk, easy Volk, for sure Volk, but yeah, I'm probably rooting for Emmett as well, like, you know, if you really, not that it should matter, not that uh, I dislike Yair, Yair's a bad person, but like, yeah, I, I, I like Emmett, I like Emmett more, you know, for what that's worth. Um... All right. <laughs> the Jack Slack timestamp play. Hello, I'm not Jack, but I am timestamping all fights gone by. Jack Slap podcast, boy stab notes for each episode. My goal is to create an ultimate timetable of contents organized by playlists for all who of the honorable Jack Slack podcast. Much love, Dan. And left you a like and a sub. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and that's like the Lord's work you're doing. I hope Jack's throwing you something if you do the timestamps for him. Um, I figured out how to do it. It's more time thing. I'm, you know what I'm trying to figure out how to do, folks? I figured out how to do it, but how do you get it to where, like, where you scroll over the YouTube time bar and it just shows it, like, in the time bar, in the picture? Like, I have it to where I have it as linkable uh, in the show details on YouTube and you click that and then it jolts you on the video screen to where the link you clicked. But I don't know how to do it where it shows up in the actual, like, Thing. That looks like super professional. Anyone wants to help me on that? Feel free. One minute forty-five. Let's go to uh, Jack Della Madalena, and then we'll speed through the rest of these. Um, uh, minus three hundred five. Uh, Randy Brown plus two fifty-five. Money coming in on Jack or Randy? Is it was open high? No, money coming in on Randy. Yeah, it was open at minus three fifty. That is high. Um, so I don't blame anybody playing Randy Brown based on that. When I went to look closer at the fight, though. Man, I am Jack Della all day. He just does so much stuff that I like. And um, revisiting the Randy Brown footage, he is so talented. But Randy, he fights close, man. I say it all the time. That's why, even though I wasn't confident, I took the flyer on Trinaldo. And we saw what happened in the third round, which makes you wonder that one of the most atrocious cage grabs we've seen in some time for a foul that was regularly committed. I mean, that was a really bad one. 
even people that didn't bet, even people on the broadcast like Anik who are pros and try to stay professional, really, really were just appalled by that, right? Um, but that aside, you know, he's got really talented skills, boxing, a good boxer. Um, he's working a lot with uh, Daniel Gracie and Sean Brady and that gym down there, which is really smart. Um, obviously, there's good boxing down there in Philly, and those fighters can strike. You know, you've got, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, Jeremiah Wells. But, like, again, no one's really going to match the st- type, of, type of style that Jack Della Maddalena has. And it's more, you know, jujitsu, grinding, MMA. Like, it's more like that type of uh, archetype of what we see come out, right? And that's going to be good working with guys like Sean Brady because if you look at Randy Brown's traditional losses, it's guys that do the Sean Brady thing, right? So it makes sense that he's working with that gym to shore up his holes. That's a great move. But I don't know how much it helps him with a guy like Jack Della Maddalena who's not looking to do any of those things, right? Uh, and can fight from both stances where I don't think there's any notable southpaws. I'm pretty sure Ortho, uh, Brady, Wells, and the other notable guys from that gym, Sabatini, uh, who is smaller granted. Um, they're all orthodox fighters too, right? Not switch or southpaw or southpaw switch guys like Maddalena. Uh, who fights from both stance. Now, Madalena likes to box, and Randy Ruboy, that was his base of martial arts. In fact, he only did boxing until he was 19. He's 32 now, so he's, he still has room to get better. He is still in his prime, but he is kind of the fighter he's going to be, right? And so between his age, the time he's been doing it, and of the time he's been doing it, the time he's been doing it strictly boxing, and the fact that boxing was the original input, that's the base, so when he is fighting close, and when you notice when he's doing those head dip and boxings that can get you in trouble with kicks, although it's actually mainly punches, and fighting Jack Maddalena, counter puncher, uh, punches that get him in trouble, those boxing kind of exaggerated head tilts, it's like they're so coached into him. Because his coaches aren't coaching into him, his coaches give him shit for it. Like, no, you're getting too loose and lazy out there, tighten it up, hands up. Like, his coaches aren't telling him to do that stuff. Um, so even though you think, oh, again, back to the size queens, look at the... Look at the, the the height. Look at the length. Ooh, and then they, they get into that really kind of weird racial category. They're like, ooh, there's the athleticism, and they're not. They're overlooking a guy's skills because they're just kind of stereotyping a certain fighter as an athlete every time, no matter what that fighter brings to the table. Just kind of one of those backhanded compliments slash weird kind of racial things too that I notice. Um, that I definitely will try not to. I'm going to be calling black dudes skillful and Asian dudes explosive at a disproportionate amount. Try to balance all the. F- backwards ass commentary we've been doing so explosive like like I don't know man um, most of my neighborhood growing up middle school high school um, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of black friends uh, not in a black neighborhood a lot of just you know just a lot of black friends I grew up with and stuff I'm like none of them ever exploded I don't know why we always got to refer to these people like that kind of one of those weird like kind of racial things where we're, we're always it's, it's, it's they're always going up to the Hamptons they're never going down to the Hamptons you know you, you know it's when people speak and we do this to ourselves because it's coached in our language right why do we got to go down to Compton why can't we go up to Compton why does it always have to be down to Compton right but we go up to the Hamptons so it's just that, that, that kind of baked in not trying to cry foul and something needs to be done uh, but like you know I'm just saying at the same time I'm calling it for what it is folks it's, it's baked in racial shit in our language it's funny classist racial whatever but like yeah um point is like yeah if you want to go like stereotypical analysis like oh he's taller he's longer like and then you know further depth like oh well uh, madalena boxes and you just said so yourself dan uh, randy brown's been boxing this is base martial art 
this should be a comfortable matchup for him. It should be by all aspects. But Randy Brown not only tends to fight close, and then when he does enter space, will do it in precarious ways that either throws himself out of position or allows him to be countered. Um, he also skirts the outside of the fence a lot. He has a trouble keeping momentum. When he does, he's fantastic. He looks like a world beater when he stays on the front foot and works off his jab, even when faced with fellow southpaws. So if Jack Delamina goes southpaw with him, Randy Brown still shows the jab. I love it. I love that. But he's just he's so hard to consistently get to go on the front foot, to pressure, or just to do anything with consistency. And furthermore, when you hang out toward the you know between the inner black octagon lines of the fence, well... That is the kill zone for certain fighters. And it's a kill zone for Jack Della Maddalena, who loves to go to the body. But he goes in a way that makes it undeniable, as you've seen with the theme through his finishes. I mean, he hurts guys there because body shots fucking hurt. And unfortunately, not enough people know that, as it's consistently undervalued by Gen Pop, intelligent broadcasts, and a majority, not all, they're not trained to do this, but still by basic process of the deduction showing the scorecards and being a part of even some of these meetings and listening to the judges and themselves explain their scores. It's criminally undervalued still, folks. That being said, Della Maddalena makes it fucking known. That's why me, analysts, fighters, the actual motherfuckers who do this shit, or people who actually know fighting, coincidentally, why are we all high on these people? Coincidentally, we are the people who value body shots. Hmm, I wonder why, folks. So, yeah, uh, and when you do your lean back and your evasive and bad footwork stuff, um, just like I was saying, could be open for Emmett for Yair. Well, uh, body is a good way to attack. And so is the legs, obviously. Randy Brown, in his defense, has gotten better about that, but that's also why so many people try to tag target Brown's legs. They've been a traditional target, right? So that bodes well for Madalena. I also wanted to see how Madalena, well, he does at um, countering a jab because... Brown will switch stances, and no matter what stance you are, he's not afraid to jab, which is a great plus for Brown. But against a counterpuncher, well, let's see where the counterpuncher's triggers are. If his triggers are for a jab, that could be a very dangerous, regardless of the reach and height. Sure enough. Guess who, Guess who? even despite early in his career being known for slow starts, guess who seems to have a, a, a spot on read for the jab from the first round on? It's Jack Della Maddalena. So I think that he wins this fight. I don't want to pay chalk, even if it's a near-even chalk, minus 110 for Jack via KO or inside or whatever it is. But I did take Jack round two. I know I missed it. I took him round two against Roberts, and he ended up doing it in round one. And I took him again. I took him in a little... No, I took him in round two, I think, and he did it in um, round one against Ameev, right? I thought he was going to at least have to survive a longer grappling storm, pick him up in round two. So I get a little smarter, I think, for my prop squad. This might be my other prop squad's hit, which, again, is a, is a round hit. Um, it was Spivak round two last year, and then I think it was also... I split my unit, or play unit, or play bet, or whatever you want to call it for prop squad, and I went Jack Della round one and round two in case he got it done in round one this time with Danny Roberts. Sure enough, it was round one, so we cashed to that. But this time, I, I, third time's a charm, folks. I think round two hits here because... Not just because half of Jack Della Medellina's finishes are in round two. Five out of 12 finishes. That's near half, right? Maybe we go six out of 12 if you consider that his lone pro finish win in his amateur career comes in round two. So we can use that math and say half of the guy's finishes come in round two. And 
whether it was the submission loss or the multiple knockout losses of Randy Brown, all of the times he was stopped, it comes in which round? Round two. Um, I'm hoping to find it between plus 340 and plus 440, and as long as it stays north of plus 300, it'll qualify for my prop squad write-up, which I'm going to write it up for. Um, but I found it over at BetMGM, uh, Della round two plus 500. <laughs> so I just put a quarter unit on that. Uh, I think it pays a quarter unit at plus 500 pays you uh, 125, so 1.25 units back. Um, 1.5 unit total if it hits to come back, including what you put out there. If you want to do that math, of course, I always do the under. Because I'm secure with my size. Uh, I'm secure. I'm secure with the amount. I'm secure with my number. CLV, boys. Um, but, yeah, I, that, that plus 500 is pretty nice. It won't be nice if it doesn't catch. It'll be all for not. But, yeah, for what it's worth, that's a nice number. If you're shopping around, you got to shop around. Shop, shop. Shop around. Um, but, yeah, that's what I'm going for. I feel pretty confident. Um, Rodriguez KO and Della round two are going to be on my round robin. Um as per usual, I, I usually only have like two of the legs down for you guys, and I'm still figuring out the rest. But again, I still got to do my, my quick picks and prognostications, so I got to study the rest of those, um, even though I have an idea of where I'm going for at least uh, Krut Metafield. We'll get to Porter Tafa here in a second and blow through the rest of these. Um, but yeah, at least, you know, I got those uh, those two for you, and we'll uh, do my due diligence for the full card preview on Fight Day I do with my guy Aaron Bronstetter. Um... All right, 155. And uh, Jack. All right. Um, yeah, so I, I wanted to do the Southpaw thing because uh, Justin Toffa, minus 130. Opened as a slight favorite. A little bit of money came in on him. Parker Porter, you can now get for plus money, plus 110. I'm obviously going to be looking toward Porter because it's a close fight and he's durable and he's got more of a process. He's more well-rounded. So if you can avoid getting knocked out. Um. Which Parker Porter, like, he got knocked out by John Jones in 2008. He's knocked out by a dude in round one in, like, 2013, like, a decade ago. And his only other knockout loss since then was, uh, like, Chris Dawkins. He gets sparked out real early. And I think he took that fight on short notice, too, his debut, right? Pandemic era. Uh, again, you know, so uh, be, be real curious. I'll be looking at Porter, maybe, you know, Porter by decision type of overs to see what their place. Who knows? Maybe I still picked Toffa, folks. I still got to look at it. But um, I got to go. He doesn't face any notable dedicated southpaws, but I got to go see if Alan Badeau switches stances and if uh, Carbo Parisian. Uh, shout out to my guy Brazchuk, uh, Josh Parisian, Carbo Parisian, the long-lost Parisian brother who was misplaced in the Midwest and was forced to survive off of carbs. Um, I got to see if he, how much sw stance switching that crazy guy does. He's mainly an orthodox fighter. Um, but, yeah, that's the only thing I'm going to add to my southpaw report. And I wanted to get Josh Kulabau, Josh Chossibau, um, studied because he's facing Melsic Bagdazarian. Of course, Josh is 0-1 officially against Jalen Turner, who will switch stances but is listed and primarily dedicatedly fights from Southpaw, right? But that was also up a division short notice. I want to see uh, how he's acquitted himself, uh, particularly against um, uh, Charles Jordan, who is a switch stance fighter who fights a lot from Southpaw. That was a competitive fight, split decision. So I want to see... I'm going to go see how Josh Kulabau looked there. Um, even though that's a pick'em, a competitive fight, maybe not one you want to put a lot of money into. It's one of the worthwhile fights as far as an analytic or worth the shit perspective. No offense to the other fighters. Let's just be honest. It's a lot of filler stuff. A lot of contender series fighters that I have write-ups on. So um, go Google Dan Tom grading the winners, that fighter, 
and you can at least get some thoughts on it, at least my thoughts at the time, uh, because I'm not going to have a lot of new thoughts for you guys here, unfortunately. Not until maybe my pre-show, and maybe then not a lot, because I'm not looking into these fights a lot. Again, with the UFC, Ultimate Fuller content, they're not giving a shit. Why should I? I'm I, you, we are the ones that are paying for this, literally, at the end of the day. We are the ones caring more than their president, literally, at the end of the day. Uh, do we really need to care fucking more, you know, for this stuff? Um, but yeah, so we'll see where I go uh, with that fight. Um, I will eventually get to Menafield Crute. Again, Crute minus 190, Menafield plus 160. I'm obviously leaning toward the favorite there. Um, Menafield does have some submission chops. He can look tired but carry power late. So it's not like he's some opportunistic, you know, to talk back in those terms uh, to, you know... Uh, label him that way but uh yeah i i like jimmy croup there jimmy fucking croup um but again check at dan tom mma on fight day to see where i end up um tossing pedro did, did he really open at minus 1000 what the hell happened there folks anyone got information on that why would he open minus 1000 tossing pedro uh minus 225 metestis bukowskis plus 190 that that line came down to earth um, I'll take Pedro there, but uh, probably, but I haven't looked into that fight, and I wouldn't be looking to bet it regardless. Um, again, I talked about Josh Kulabau. Clayton Rodriguez, minus 325. Shannon Ross, plus 270. Um, Rodriguez, I remember from Contender Series. I think Ross lost but on Contender Series, but is getting a shot here. Um, do or die type fighter, I believe. We'll see. i got to look more into that fight. Um, Jamie Malarkey. This might be a fight I look into just because maybe I might look into a Malarkey angle, even though Malarkey can spark guys up off with knockout power that he's underrated for. Ted Danson's bastard son, baby, minus 265. Francisco Prado, plus 225. But this kid's super young, super inexperienced. He's undefeated, but it's a lot of first round, first round, first round, first round finishes. Getting to the UFC young can be a real disservice. Don't know if this is short notice. Don't know if Malarkey was originally scheduled to face somebody else. Sorry, I don't have that information prepared. Um, Prado is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belt. Um, is his only real notable rank there. Uh, whereas Malarkey, obviously, has got a lot of pancreation experience. Good good uh, grappler, can hold his own. Trains a lot with Alexander Volkanovsky, as, along with Josh Kulabau. So uh, I really like both those fighters, so I really want to research their, their fights. Maybe not a lot of things jumping off to me immediately with the Kulabau fight, but for the Malarkey fight, again, he can't finish early, but you know this setup. It's a guy, young kid. Uh, first rounder bus. I'm going to be looking maybe if Malarkey's worth sprinkling in round two or round three. Or if there's a way method there, right? Uh, maybe, maybe not. We'll see how I end up. Probably won't be looking at this fight. Jack Jenkins minus 340. You can see what my thoughts on him from the contender series were. As well as Don Shanus, who I believe was on there, was he? Not plus 280. If not, I know I got something written on Jack Jenkins. You guys can track down for thoughts there. Loma look boom me. You know, I like Loma. But it's a ridiculous brightly priced fight for WMMA, which means I will be staying away. Uh, unless it's a dog or pass. But Elise Reed doesn't jump out to me. She's got Taekwondo. It's going to be Taekwondo versus Muay Thai. Um... Got to see where Elise Reed uh, refresh, see if how well-rounded her other skills, where she's been training, if that even makes a difference. Loma, obviously good training, obviously rounding out her game. Will obviously always be at the size disadvantage, but technical enough. Do I want to pay for the chalk for her? No, but chances are you will see me pick her by the end. How did we do on time? I know we still ended up at 2 hours, 2.01, goddammit. Um, yeah, 2.01 end. Okay, yeah, wow. All right, I'm going to clean up the chat. Recap, pick some plays, and get the fuck out of here. I really appreciate you guys joining me. 
like, subscribe, share. Please, even just giving likes to the stuff in the thread, sharing the thread. Check out that half guard thread. It's not as sexy. It's like a link embedded in a quote tweet, so it doesn't jump off the page when you scroll my timeline on Twitter, where I'm most active at Dan Tom MMA. But I appreciate you guys. And again, like and subscribe here, Dan Tom MMA. Now it matches the YouTube. I changed that baby. Five star ratings and reviews as well. Appreciate it. Um, I see the Jack Slack dude uh, mentioning, uh, you know, how to do things. Uh, give me some pointers there. I appreciate that. It says if you start with the value ahead of the video and scroll bar thing, it won't show up. So make sure you always start with your timestamp in the description with zero zero. Ah, okay. So I put the zero zero first before I put anything else. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I'll take it. I'll, I'll experiment with that. Um, Maybe I'll put start zero zero or just put the timestamp in the description. Yeah, it's zero zero. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'll start. start. I'll just put zero zero in the beginning of the where I list the timestamps. Jack Della, just lovely body work. You know what's up, Ghost Fan. And I ain't got to preach to the choir when it comes to you, sir. Rain Lamina. Seriously, Dan, you are correct. Um, you are uh, correct about the timestamp guy. He is doing the Lord work, Lord's work. Yeah. Uh, shouts to you. You're getting love in, in the chat. Look at that. You, the Jack Slat Times. Stamp and playlist project. Uh, labor of love. Much appreciated. Public service announcement from Ghost Fam. Let's start ending combos with a left kick to the liver, whether you're ortho or southpaw. That's right, baby. I love, you know me, I, 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 that was my return. I'm like a Muay Thai fighter in the sense of whether you land on me or not. I'm coming back with something fucking hard to your legs or your body in kick form. You bet your ass. and um, Nothing you can do about it. I'll tell you about it. Um... Uh, Da, 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 da. I might make a PYN timestamp. I would appreciate it if you do, but you don't have to, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, if you, I just appreciate you being here in the like and subscribe. So, honestly, just thank you for doing that. And thank you on behalf of other people's podcasts. You do do it for Synchro Wing. Loma trains with our girl, Whaley, in wrestling. I think that's all the analysis we need. That's right. Yeah, she's going to uh, trend pretty well there. That's going to help her, help her there. Um, yes, I'll give an example. O zero intro to other stuff. Ah, I know exactly. Exactly. Okay, cool. Exactly what I thought. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. All right. Gonna recap and get out of here, folks. Again, thanks for everything. All right. Starting from top to bottom. Taking Makhachev over Volkanovsky. Oh, heart is with Volkanovsky, and I may still bet fight goes to the distance. Who knows? Um, rooting for you, Volkanovsky, betters and backwards. Taking Rodriguez over Emmett, but, you know, heart's with Emmett. For what that's worth. Taking Jack De La Madalena over, sorry, this is Michael Chiavello, uh over, um, why couldn't they bring him in to call this card? Uh, over Randy Brown, rude boy Brown. Here comes the hot step up, murder at the leather like that. Um, got, uh, I don't know, I'll, we'll see who I take between uh, Parker Porter and Justin Taffa. Um, my heart will be with Porter regardless of where my pick is. Check the quick picks and prognostications over on Junkie, which will be posted on my timeline. Twitter, at DanTomMMA. Probably taking Crute over Metafield, but again, check my quick picks and prognostications on fight day at MMAJunkie.com. Share, like that. You can find it on Twitter, at DanTomMMA, where I'm most active. Probably taking Tosin Petra over Modestus Bukowskis. Uh, but again, check me on Twitter, at DanTomMMA, where I post my picks and plays on fight day, as well as do a pre-show with Aaron Bronstetter. Probably taking Clayton Rodriguez over Shannon Ross, but again, check my uh, post of picks over on Fight Day at Tom MMA. Uh, yeah, probably most definitely taking uh, Ted Dan Ted Danson's bastard son, Jamie Malaki, 
minus 265. Uh, but we'll we'll see if I uh, do any plays there. You might want to check me over at Dan Tom Remain if I see if I play him over Francisco Prado. Uh, taking Jack Jenkins over. Done, Shane is. Done, fucking Shane is. Oh, Shane is three times the Shane is. Sorry uh, for slaughtering any Irish things. And you know, the guy does not speak that way. I believe he's from Australia. Uh, but, you know, check my... Uh, check me at Dan Tom MMA or Google grading the winners to see thoughts on Jack Jenkins. Uh, you know, probably taking Loma Look Boom Me, Loma Look Boom Me uh, over Elise Reed. But again, check my picks and plays on Fight Day. Dan Tom at Dan Tom MMA on Twitter. Uh, plays, all I got in the book right now is uh, Rodriguez Emmett doesn't go the distance, plus 100, a whole unit. Took a stab on Raid Rodriguez by KO, plus 300, 0.33. Scotty P, Scotty Pippen, uh, 0.33 units. Um, Rounded out the point unit and a half in the exposure on the co-main event by taking a small sprinkle on Rodriguez KO round two plus 1150 0.17 units uh, for hopefully a two unit return there if that hits probably put that in the round robin or put the KO in the round robin along with Jack Delamadalina round two plus 500 I found that at BetMGM quarter unit that'll probably be my uh, prop squad play for the action network so don't be surprised there and again um I've got interest in anything over decision or dog related to Porter. If I end up on that, if not, then it's dog or pass. And if I end up picking Tafa, uh, I'll take a look at Krupp Menafield. If anything picks up, the only fights I may be targeting for analysis and possible plays: Kulabound, Bagdasarian, Melzi Bags, most likely for analysis and not plays because it seems pretty volatile and competitive. And uh, again, maybe looking for some late round stuff on Ted ba Ted Danson's bastard son Malaki. Um, check out the half guard thread guys it's really good I appreciate that ghost anyone anybody wants to like link to it by the way and make a post on it or quote tweet any part of that thread and tag me I will probably share you for what that's worth at Dan Tom MMA alright folks that's it uh, have fun this weekend again I'll be live with my guy Ant Walker here on the channel we'll be going live for the last three fights live we'll be a little bit behind probably trailing behind so at least we won't spoil and they will be transferred to audio uh commentary tracks for alternate commentary for late birds people that just want to listen post hence uh, and all that stuff to hear my and Ant's live reactions in the moment and support us um, giving calls again feedback for how I'm doing on the calls feedback for the content itself or just the idea of the content those are three different things to have opinions on they're all welcome hit me up at Dan Tom and May. I'm curious what you guys like what you, what you don't in that regard uh, appreciate it so uh yeah, good luck on your picks and plays, and always protect 